0: Welcome to the 218th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome and if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week and oh jeez I'm currently talking about uh, all-star Batman Robin from 2005 uh, Frank Miller, Jim Lee it has been uh, really interesting going back and reading the series I I don't, didn't I don't remember, or didn't remember how interesting it was, so you can catch that. Uh, If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four, and that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, this week, it is, of course, another full episode. There's a lot to talk about, Why the Last Man, Chucky, Stargirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Doom Patrol, all, all, all those. I'm gonna talk about probably like the first half of Lock and Key season two. I'm not. I'm. I'm debating. You know, I don't. I don't really have an attack plan right now. I'm debating about how. I don't think I want to go like super in depth like I, I sometimes do with with the shows because that that tends to take like an hour and I, you know I don't want to add that much time to to the show. Um, also, I mean, this is only half the, uh, half the season, so we'll we'll see how how that goes. Maybe and you know while i really like the show so here here's my other hesitation i I'm, wasn't super loving this and i i think well I'll, I'll get more into it when when we get to that segment i don't I shouldn't talk about it now uh, we have i know the other thing you may have noticed um, no young justice i meant to talk about the first two episodes last week and I don't know what happened last week, but I I didn't. Like last week, I mentioned I forgot to talk about Stargirl. And then I had to, like, when I was, like, in the editing process, I was like, oh, crap. So I had to record that and then, you know, splice that in and, and so forth. But I didn't talk about Young Justice. And then so they dropped two episodes. like It was, like, on a Tuesday or something like that. And then they dropped the third episode, like, Thursday or Friday. I think it was Friday. There's probably another episode. I don't even know how many episodes there are now. So I'm like, I'm already behind. But the first two episodes, I didn't love them, and it's it's really disconcerting in a way because I really love that show. And part of it goes back to, you know, just watching it with 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 my daughter, like when it first came out and everything, and being so excited when the show came back. And but I I think because the first two episodes are dealing with a lot of stuff. So here's a little little recap, even though we're still in the intro part. But it's dealing a lot with with Mars stuff. You know, uh, Megan and Connor are planning on getting married, so they went to Mars and you know meet with her family and all this stuff like that. And there's like this stuff going on, and and I I don't know. I mean, maybe like where's Nightwing? Where's Where's Artemis? And you know, I'm sure they're if they haven't already appeared, they will. But it didn't just the first. It wasn't like for me. It wasn't a strong first two episodes. So now I'm just like. I will watch it, but having so much other stuff to watch and comics read and everything like that, I'm just like, I think maybe I'm just gonna not cover those. And I I, I feel really bad about that, you know. Believe me, but also trying to keep a balance and everything here is is a uh, I'm I'm barely staying afloat. That being said, there isn't one movie feature this week. There's going to be two movie features, and that—that's something else I debated. I couldn't decide between Antlers and Last Night in Soho because I really wanted to see both movies, and of, of course they both come out on, on the same time. And then in like two weeks, because you know next week we have Eternals. The week after that, there's no movies coming out in theaters. No, no, nothing. I don't think so. It seems weird. It's Veterans Day week, but that's like I know was it like a Wednesday or something like that. You'd, I, I would think something would open that, that weekend, but I don't think there's anything really big coming out. So I was like, well, maybe I can talk about one of them that week, even though it would be two weeks later. But then I was like, that's kind of two weeks too late. I, I saw them both. So so let's let's get to it to see how long this, this episode will be. Not a whole lot of news, and I know I say that often, but it doesn't really look like it. Uh, first thing, I guess continuing from last week, um, I'm not super excited about this, but I know a lot of people are. Dune Part Two is happening. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it is happening. You know, I know that that may have sounded a little weird. I I really liked the movie. I did not love the movie. I mean, it wasn't for me. I've seen so many reactions. So many people think it's like it's super awesome and all that. And I'm happy. I'm I'm happy for them. And uh, the movie seemed to do pretty well considering. You know, box office is still you know not as strong as it used to be because of the pandemic and everything like that. I don't know how like at home viewing comes into play or anything like that. But they, Warner Brothers and Legendary or whatever they they greenlit it. It's going to be exclusive to theaters because you know there was a little bit of uh, contention whatever between you know when when Warner was like. All 2021 movies are going to be opening on theater and on HBO Max the same day. And some people were like, what? They weren't too happy. But I, and I debated. I, I should probably try watching it again. But, it was, you know, like I said, it's like a matter of finding the time to, to do all this stuff. So you have that to look forward to in two years. I'm That's impressive. That I, I was I was a little concerned that it would be like closer to three years. So we'll see how that, if, if they can keep this schedule. Because... Are the actors, you know, where's their commitments? You know, what what are they working on to be the... Maybe you don't need... Never mind. I don't want to spoil anything. So we have that. (laughs) Uh, Trailer. We have a trailer for Lightyear. And this looks really good. I'm really excited. When I first heard about this... So so we got a Buzz Lightyear movie. But it's not quite what you'd expect. I remember I mentioned to someone, and some are like, eh, you know, whatever. Because after four Toy Story movies, you know, the... As much as I like the fourth one, the third one was like a good ending, perfect ending maybe, but it, it was a very good, strong closing of the franchise and everything like that. And then we got more. The fourth one, fourth one was good. You know, we, we had what was his name? What was Keanu Reeves' name? Anyways, so yeah, I, I mentioned. I remember I was, uh, I, I was like, oh, there's a new year? and they're like, eh, but I was like, no, it's it's has not. It's not Toy Story. It's not like a, you know, Toy Story spinoff, even though it is a spin-off. But we're we're seeing like the 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 actual. I, I don't know how they're, they're playing it. Are they playing it like okay? Here is here's a like light, Buzz Lightyear movie, or or is it like a real person and just another continuity or whatever? Because that's that's how I'm kind of taking it. Like this is this is r- a real person and not something that the toy and cartoon or whatever would be based on. And and it, it's cool and. Kind of funny. I don't know if it's funny, or but that we have Chris Evans. I mean, I love Chris Evans. Uh, you know, never, never got to meet him. I was in the same room during the Winter Soldier press conference, but I didn't get to talk to him. And he seems like a really cool guy. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear or to see, you know, hear his voice on there. Tim Allen. You know, he's. Uh, I love, I loved Home Improvement, and you know, he's he's had a rocky past before that, and. He's had an interesting recent, you know. Just he's been uh, very outspoken, and some of the what, you know, some of the things. And I don't pay super close attention to, you know, because it just it's like okay, whatever. But uh, yeah, so no, no Tim Allen, and uh, I I almost think that could be a good way because depending on a direction, you know, Tim Allen is. I guess he's 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 been good as Buzz Lightyear. You know, there hasn't been a whole lot. I'm I'm trying to think in the back now, if like if if he would have been someone else, you know, would it have made a, a a big difference or would it have mattered, you know, a whole whole deal? But with this, I'm assuming that this movie is going to be a little less comedic, you know, less bumbling Buzz Lightyear, you know, whatever, and you know maybe a little more stoic or whatever. So I, I think it could be cool to to have Chris Evans there. So we'll see. And, and the trailer looks good and. I'm a little hesitant, you know, like David Bowie. Uh, in the trailer, awesome. I mean, I love, I, you know, perfect choice. But it's almost like, but they're using David Bowie. It's like, should would would he would he have allowed that? Maybe. So it's just kind of weird. I I always sometimes I question things too much. It's like, are they doing it just for like nostalgia or whatever? For the fan, you know, are some like hardcore fans gonna cringe at the thought of you know a David Bowie song and. So I, but it, it it's cool. It was cool here. I I always like when a a cool song is used right and not too forced. Um, there is a new trailer for Mar Masters of the almost oh, said Marvel Masters of the Universe Revelations Part Two. This tr- the trailer. There are major spoilers here. It seems like. I don't know if anyone's really concerned about spoilers. If you're listening uh, for maybe like the next minute or so, there's gonna be some big big spoilers for the part two, unless there's more that, that we haven't seen that we don't know that isn't super obvious. Okay, so here are your your Masters of the Universe possible spoilers, but again, this is all from the trailer. So part one ended with He-Man dying, getting killed by Skeletor, but we see Prince Adam's back. So it's like, okay, that that's interesting. Uh, It appears that uh, Evil Lynn, while she was kind of, you know, turning to the the light side, the right side, the good side, whatever, she's going to become like an evil sorceress or whatever. So, of course, to fight Evil Lynn, you know, new sorceress, they need another sorceress. Who could it be? Friggin' Tila, of course, because part one, first season. So, oh my goodness, we'll see how that... So it's almost like, here we go again, you know but we also discover spoilers that that he-man or prince adam doesn't need the sword to become he-man and he becomes He-Man. like like massive savage he-man so it's i mean it's just like it's all there in the trailer and i imagine there, there's more oh at the end it almost sounds like there's another voice of someone who who perished in the first part i don't know and it it gets kind of bonkers you know it looks like we're going to have like a big fight you know all maybe like all the characters that you ever cared about or you know whatever are going to be there it's hard to it's hard to to get excited i'm i'm kind of not looking forward to it coming out because i i have that that urge that feeling where it's like oh they dropped all these episodes i need to watch them all so i can talk about them and it it's almost it's not not becomes a burden but it's just it like hangs over me it's like okay i need to try to cram all this in over the weekend because that's really the only time i can you know watch that because during the week you have all the other stuff and I really don't know, I, and I feel like I should cover it just because I covered the first part. And I know I, I don't have to. I don't know if anyone's listening is like you need to cover He Man. Uh, first of all, if you really, if you feel strongly, let me know. Uh, just you know, I, I like I said, I probably will. I just I don't know if I'm gonna be able to plow through all. I don't even know how many episodes there are gonna be in in one weekend. And part of it is like I don't know if if I can. Force myself to do it is, is part of your thing. One's gonna be the time, and the other's gonna be the desire. Because that's kind of how it was getting a little bit with Lock and Key, where it's like I really want to watch the rest, but as I'm watching, I'm just like, okay, here we go, here we go. And I I feel and it's it's weird because like with Lock and Key, I really like the show, but I don't know. Uh, let's see what else do we have. Bill Murray basically hinted that or he teased that he's gonna be in a Marvel movie. He's going to be in, in Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, It appears he didn't straight out say that, but he was kind of uh, basically talking about like Peyton Reed and like insinuating that. And he had some interesting things to say about that. It's funny because you know Bill Murray's a great actor, but he used to not be you know considered like a serious actor because you know this is the guy that was in Caddyshack or in Stripes, and you know, but he's it's i feel like he's evolved and and a lot of people i don't know if a lot of people just really love bill murray as a person or maybe it is they, they love him as an actor cuz i mean i think he's he's great you know when he appears in Zombieland, land everyone's like oh that's awesome yeah bill murray and and he is his he's 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 a great actor i didn't love scrooge but he i guess he was even though it's, that being said i think he was good in it right i mean you got to love him so he's going to be in in this and he had some interesting things to say about like how he never really, it was almost like he was kind of down talking the Marvel movies that were, you know, he never thought he would do that, but he's like, now that I've experienced a Marvel movie, you know, I, I, he's like, I don't really need to do that again type of thing. And may, and it may not necessarily be directly a Marvel cause you know, he's not like a super, like really a franchise guy. It seems like, even though he did Ghostbusters movies, but We'll see. Um, no idea what, what he's going to do, but it, it kind of sounds like he's not interested in becoming a character that will appear in, in 10 more movies. So I think he he's just going to do this one. and So it, it can't be a huge character, you would assume. So we'll have to wait and see what, what, what more is to be said about that. There was a Cowboy Bebop trailer for the, the Netflix live action, and I'm I'm just really intrigued with this, you know. I, I love the anime, and um, you know I I'm not gonna try to say yeah I was there from day one or whatever. You know I came on a little later, and and you know when I first discovered it, I was like this is amazing, and this I mean I liked it so much where it was one that I didn't want to plow through the episodes, and you know I was just I wanted to like just really take them in and enjoy it and everything like that, and uh, the trailer. I, I'm, I'm nervous, you know, and, you know, I want to be cautiously optimistic or whatever, but we'll see. That I mentioned that little short that they did, The Lost Session or whatever. It seemed weird. It seemed more like Speed Racer, the live-action Speed Racer movie, which I love. I adore that movie, but it's not what I was expecting in Cowboy Bebop to just kind of be that kind of over-the-top, cheesy action. You know, this seems a little more toned down compared to that. So I'm just, I'm kind of confused. I'm, I'm not really sure. And uh, and John Cho's hair, I know, you know, he's trying to have a spike, you know, his hair, but it just, I don't know, something about it is like, looks, I don't know. So we have that, that that's going to be coming up soon. Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. I haven't watched these, but uh, there's, I think there's more than one like video or clip or something that's been released so I don't know. I do I did like seeing that in the theater. I saw the trailer in the theater I'm, so it's it's nice to it's a different exp- I mean it's a totally different experience watching on your phone compared to watching it in a theater in a big screen. And that's why you know I I enjoy going to the movie every week and you know I'm trying to be safe. Like this week I saw two movies but thankfully the, the theaters weren't packed. I think there was like maybe 3 people in both times when I went and I'm like I'm literally in the back corner like uh, the, these two movies played in the smaller theater and I was literally in the last row in the corner, you know, the f- first seat so away from everyone and because it's not like a huge theater, it's not, even though I'm off to the side, not center to screen it's still good, good enough yeah, I haven't watched these, these Raccoon City, Resident Evil because I, I kind of don't want to watch anymore I'm, I'm going to watch it, I, I feel like I don't need to see more but I mean, I'll, I'll watch it when it comes out. Uh, there, what I didn't watch, <laughs> I didn't watch this either. There is a trailer for season two of The Witcher. This is the other one. I'm, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to cover this. I feel like I'm not going to be able to plow through all these episodes. I don't have an attachment to the Witcher franchise. Henry Cavill was 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 really good in the role. Uh, watching the first season. I wasn't totally like like super excited when it was starting, and you know it took me a little bit to to warm up to you know the characters and and to care the care about the characters and the story. And uh, I honestly don't even remember how the last episode ended. Uh, you know, it's it's just it was a uh, it was a good show, it was decent, but it didn't like stick with me so much. And again, that's because I hadn't played the game, so it's I don't have that that love and attachment to it. So I haven't watched this trailer yet. And we'll, we'll see about when it comes out. So I'll try to watch at least a couple episodes when it comes out just to, you know, see how it goes. And then maybe that'll decide whether I'm going to plow through them or add them to my list of like, well, someday I'll watch these. Which I realize that that list is like suddenly growing somehow. So we'll see. Uh, Jenna Dewan, she played Lucy Lane in the, in the Supergirl show. She is apparently going to be coming back on Superman and Lois season two. And I, it sounds like she's gonna be a reoccurring character. So she's gonna be popping in every once in a while. What's interesting about this news is this is her, I think the, the last time she played Lucy Lane was in 2016. Since then, the universe, the arrow versus kind of merged because Supergirl was like on its own earth, its own universe. Now, you know, it's all together, so she's coming back. And even though Superman and Lois kind of feels like it's separate from the Arrowverse, but I guess it's not. It's... Uh, I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see how they they play up her character in here and, like, why, you know, what what is going to be her role here and how will it tie in and everything. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see. And speaking of Supergirl, so I think it's November... Second is a last episode of Supergirl. I'm like super behind I haven't watched any episodes this season and I think I still have some from last season to watch, which is why I haven't watched this season. So it's the show is gonna end but Melissa Benoist has said that she's uh, she's open to returning someday. she she's not or she's not opposed to it and uh, you know she it would need to make sense. It would have to be a good story and everything like that and you know she's saying because basically you know it's it's time to move on and you know she's she's done this for six seasons and you know she wants to do other things and one of the nice things to what she said is that she she is missing the character or she's she's going to miss them so it's not the point where it's like oh, i need i need to be done with this i need to get out of here and just let's let's end it. it it's a good place that she's leaving before it getting burnt out but she just feels like this is a time or everyone felt this is a time i don't know So she says she enjoys doing the crossovers with Grant Gustin and The Flash and, you know, working with, you know, Tyler. What's his name? (laughs) Superman. Uh, So well, hopefully we'll see her. I mean, that's one of the things I wonder. It's like, would she ever appear in in Superman and Lois? Because there's been like no mention of her. And it it feels like there should be, even though they're separate. I mean, it's not like Superman needs his cousin all the time. But there's been some crazy things happening. That you would think, or you know, maybe she's just come and check on her, her. Has she even seen her nephews? You know, we haven't seen her, seen her grown-up nephews. So there's all that. Uh, there's also a Hawkeye Disney Plus promo. I, I didn't watch that. I don't know. I don't think it was like a full trailer or anything. I was like, I, I was like, I don't want to watch anymore. Uh, you know, when the show comes out, I want to watch it. I don't need to see anymore. There's you don't need to convince me. I'm, I'm going to watch that. So if, if you like watching promos and stuff you can look for that as well uh james wan apparently said that the trench movie that was shelved i'm pretty sure it was shelved right was really going to be a black manta spinoff that makes a little more sense because when they're when they're talking about yeah we're gonna movie do a movie on a trench you know trenches like a race of creature beings under underwater that jeff johns introduced in in his run so I was like, you're going to do a movie on this? It's like, okay. And I can see it, you know, it's going to be more kind of like a horror movie. But if they're going to have Black Manta in there, that makes a little more sense. I wonder if he would have had like the helmet with the laser eye, you know, whatever. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe someday we'll, we'll see. But maybe not. Um, and then comic news. I didn't read any specific details, but I think Danny DeVito is writing a Penguin story. And I think it's like in some Penguin like anniversary anthology or some some sort of book. That that's that's cool to hear. Um, I'd be interested to see like what he has to, that what what story he wants to tell. And then the other news, comic news, is there's going to be a new Iron Fist. And uh, it was weird because so Marvel used to be notorious for their teasers. They and they you know it 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 was was a brilliant move. You know they would they would do these super easy. You know. There's gonna be a new team of characters, whatever, and they're all shadowed out. And then each day they would reveal one or something like that. So and it gets people to come back and gets outlets to post about it every day, like the same exact thing. You know, it's, it's one piece of news, and they spread it over like five days or something like that. So we it was like, what Thursday? We got like a, a there's gonna be new Iron Fist, and and they're shadowed out, and they're like, stay tuned tomorrow for more information. And then like Friday morning. There was we got an image, and then later Friday we got like creative team. I think in a little more more detail. So like the first image was like you know we're getting new Iron Fist. So my immediate reaction is like it's gonna be a woman. Actually, my other reaction was like it's gonna be an LGBT character. You know it's gonna be a gay or or maybe it's gonna be a transgender character because you know since we may be getting a transgender on on or whatever. So, which is fine. You know, again, I'm all for inclusion and everything. And I would rather they introduce a new character. Because, I mean, Marvel, you know, they, they've, they've done a good job with, you know, giving us new characters and everything like that. Rather than retconning an existing character saying, oh, by the way, now Iceman is gay. <laughs> which they, that's what they did do. By the way, Iceman is gay. His younger self knew about it, but his older self somehow forgot. Didn't realize it. Something like that. So I don't know if, if any of that's going to be the case. Then my, my other thing, you know, so when you look at the image, you're like, okay, it doesn't appear to be a woman because it, it looks like more like a, a manly physique and the hair looks shorter, which the hair, the short hair doesn't mean anything. But it almost looked more like it was like a dude. But then it could be a transgender dude. You know, that, that's, that would, would totally work. And that, that could be interesting, you know, to see. But my other thing is, like, I feel, so we, we finally get the art. We get gorgeous Jim Chung art. I, I oh man, his art is just so, you know, it's just, like, so, it knocks you, it punches you in the face in a good way, not not in a mean way, which I don't, maybe there's not a good way to punch someone in the face. Uh, but the this character is wearing a mask, so I feel like it's going to be an Asian claiming the title of Iron Fist. Okay. You know, I, I I'm down with that because you know have more less less white dudes in comics, you know as, as I'm always saying, and you know there was a lot of outcry when the Netflix Iron Fist show was announced, the cast. You know, every or not everyone, but a lot of people were like like oh, you know, you could have cast an Asian lead. This would be an opportunity because you know Asian actors don't get starring roles. They're always you know side roles or they're the villains and stuff like that. My my. My argument with against that was, okay, this is a movie or this is a show about martial arts and then so you're saying just because it's about martial arts or kung fu or you know, whatever, it should be an Asian character. That seems stereotypical. That seems kinda racist. I mean, like the, the character was a white dude who was thrust into this world as a kid and you know, so it's kinda built into the character. But now, if you're doing a new character, it, it could totally make sense. You know, if this mystery character is, is claiming a title, what's going to happen to Danny Rand? I don't know. And this is why I feel like I feel like Marvel is going to try to make a big deal out of this be- because I really like Iron Fist. I know a lot of people aren't too crazy about him, but it, it so it feels like people don't really care too much about Iron Fist. And the way Marvel was kind of hyping or teasing this, I, I, I was like, "There's, there's got to be something, something coming up with this," and and you know maybe it's the fact that we have an uh, what appears to be an Asian creative team, which again is is cool, you know, and so it's, it shouldn't just be white dudes writing comics, and you know we're, we're starting to see there's more diversity there, which which is is cool. Give give other people opportunities. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I don't I don't know. When and when they'll announce any more information, but yeah, you know, I'll check it out and you see what's going on. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Try something a little different. And as far as different, well, it's not gonna be too different because that's gonna be the news for the week. So now we got to talk about comic books. All right. As far as comic books, it appears I I'm behind on comic books as well. I'm I'm getting there. Adventure Man number six came out, and I realize I still haven't read issue five. I don't think I did. Did I read issue five? So issue six is out. Um, this this has been really good. I mean, Terry Dotson's art is I always just, I, there's something about it. I mean, it's it has a very big, like, kind of epic feel to it I, in in a way. I don't know if that's a really way I want to describe it. But this is really good. And, and I really like the characters that were introduced and, you know, what we have. And, and you know, I, I love Matt Fraction's writing and, you know, so... I, I need to get into this. I need, I need to get caught up on that. But man, I don't know. It's interesting. So I'm looking at the previous list, which is how I kind of you know remind myself of what I read and everything. Um, they have crossover issue nine listed. I don't think. I think that's coming out next week. I don't think it. Did it get pushed back? Maybe because I didn't read that. And that reminds me, I didn't read issue eight. I need to get caught up on that as well. <laughs> and then Jupiter's Legacy issue five came out. Jupiter's Legacy Requiem. Uh, yeah, I didn't read that. Um, I need I, I wanna read that. Um, King Spawn three came out. I, I am not reading that. I, I would like to, but I, I probably won't. And I, I really don't even know what what is going on in this series. So you tell me, should I be reading that? And Time Before Time, I don't did that come out this week, issue six? I didn't read it. I did read Vinyl Issue Five, believe it or not. Yeah, actually read read something from Image. So Vinyl, I don't know what to really make of this series. And you know, it's it's about different serial killers, and you know, there's this this cult, and so this one killer dude is kind of working with the government, and you know, because this guy was taken, and it's it's weird because you know you don't really want to be rooting for this killer dude, but he seems like a nice guy, but is he really? Is he? So, uh, and it's, it's a combination between the art is 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 pretty slick, and um, we got one more issue. So I'm a little worried because like last issue, things were like, whoa, we, there's a kind of big big re- revelation about the the main dude. Um, so we'll have to see where that's gonna go. But I, I've been I've been enjoying that. Uh, I didn't read anything at IDW this week. Um, and then I almost didn't realize, I was like, oh crap, but I did read it at boom. We have house of slaughter. Number one, if you're reading Something is killing the children, you need to read this. This was uh, this was really good and it's a nice setup. It's, it's a continuation of kind of a continuation. When I was first reading, I was, I was like, when exactly is this taking place? Cause you know, it, it is a little bit in the past, which is what we're currently seeing in something is killing the children kind of going back and showing like you know erica slaughter when you know she was first brought to the order when after her first encounter with a monster so basically you know you have these houses where they they train kids because they're able to see these monsters and hunt them to save other kids and people you know save communities and stuff like that with right now there's only there's like you know black masks and there's white masks and you know i think there's other colors as as well so with the the black one, there, you know, Erica was brought into the, the the house of slaughter, and which is a black mask. And then there's this other kid, Aaron, was there. And this series is focusing a more on Aaron. We do see Erica, so she was here. So it's like, okay, this is taking place around the same time as this flashback in the current series. I mean, maybe it'll, it could be a concurrent. But what, what's what's interesting, I, I th- think it has one of those like nice endings where it kind of give something away that's like gonna happen and then when you see it it's like oh crap and so it's it's a good setup and i I don't i don't want to hint at anything in there but uh, it's it's interesting because when we saw aaron in the the main series i was like oh he's kind of a jerk It's like what's what's his problem but you know we're we're seeing a little more so uh, i'm 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 really excited about that so you should be reading something is killing the children you know if, if you haven't you are in for a treat go, you know start with number one and, and just read it it's just when I, I, I came on late I, th- I think I read like the first 11 issues over like a, a couple days or something like that or, and maybe it was a few days but it was it was just nice to it, like binge the series type of thing and then you know then I've been reading it since and maybe it wasn't I don't remember how many it was but it's really enjoyable and it, you know James Tyne in the fourth so you know of course it's going to be good so you should check that out over at DC let's see uh, we had detective comics 1044 so we still have more stuff with it's kind of like the remnants of fear state it's not not so much i don't even know if yeah they, they do list fear state but what's what's the f- more the bigger focus here is the mayor he's been they they were trying to take mayor nakano they were trying to kill him this group the red crown and which is kind of weird. So he's actually trapped under in in the like sewer tunnels with Batman, and there's like explosions, so they're kind of separated. But then there's other other threats down there. Okay, yeah. So it has to deal with. I'm I'm looking at the solicit now. It's like how much do I want to give away? But uh, that vile character, that dude. Ouch! I didn't like him. Uh, there's some some leftover remnants from his character that are causing. A problem here. And then uh, the backup story is dealing, so they're going to make, you know, Arkham Asylum is kind of trash after a day or whatever they're calling it and the Joker gas being unleashed. So they want to build an Arkham Tower. And, you know, this is something the mayor is like behind. There's a big press press conference. Some people are like, you know, you shouldn't be using the name Arkham and all this stuff like that. But he's like really adamant to use it. And so this. I'm not sure when this story is taking place because, you know, obviously he's out of out of the sewers. He's saved, so maybe this was before, maybe it's after. But Bruce Wayne was also there, you know, wanting to talk to him about, like, trying to persuade him not to use the name Arkham. But he's like, my decision's already made and blah, blah, blah. And So we'll have to see where that's going to go. Then who goes to the tower? Was it Batman? They had to check some things out. And, of course, it's like some bad things start start happening already, so... It's not off to a good start there. Um, Harley Quinn issue eight came out, and um, I didn't read this because so there's this this her new sidekick Kevin who's been in the series. He was in that I don't remember if it was. I read one issue with with him and it was fine. I feel like it was like an annual i don't remember if it was but uh, apparently according to the solicit sorry harley's not here right now but but this is her trusted sidekick kevin and i'm happy to keep watching over the streets of gotham it's like no thanks so i didn't read that uh robin issue seven has been good we find out or uh, we're, we're fin- seeing more so we got this lazarus lazarus tournament and you know who's this this lady in charge and you know what, what is her deal and and so there's a pretty big revelation about there and uh the tournament is, is heading towards its conclusion as to you know that the final winner and you know damien isn't concerned with winning so much as as far as unlocking the secrets like what what's the real purpose of this tournament or anything like that so he's finding things out and um but the fight is still going on and you know he's a top contender and so he's he may not be able to stop people from going along with the evil plan that is underway checkmate issue five this this i my problem with this series is like when is this taking place and i i feel like we're moving we're like getting further and further away from this happen i feel like this this is a comic that should should have come out like a year ago or you know maybe more because we have uh, Lois's brother in, in here you know when we see him in like other comics it's like wh- wh- how long is you know has Lois always known because I you know it's one thing if Sam had another kid and Lois just never knew about it but in other issues it's like well they clearly know each other and then it's like does Superman know is this like a secret that she's kept from Superman from her husband or you know what what what's the deal? So, in this issue, the two of them are together, and at one point he's like, Oh, it's great to finally meet my sister. So, it's like, Geez, this is a little, little beyond, you know, a little outdated here. And, you know, of course, Superman's not not around anymore. You know, he's off planet, but, you know, there's still a mention of him here and, and just other things. So, I'm, I'm not really sure where this series is going, and I don't care about. Mark Shaw, what's his name? Leviathan or whatever he's calling himself. But I am I am intrigued with the story. Like what what's the end game? What what's the purpose here? Where's this going? But just it just feels like it's taking a long time to get there and it's yeah. So that, that's my problem with it. Wonder Girl Issue Four, this is a series that it's it's it has such a weird release schedule. So the last issue came out august 31st was in issue three and now it's this one came out august 26 the one before that issue two came out in june so it's almost like every other month which is you know i don't want to i'm not complaining you know i don't want to rush you know something nice but it's just weird how it's it's taking longer to come out and then every once in a while i'm like did that series get canceled is that still happening and it's like oh no new issue is coming out so we have more and part of that it feels like this story is taking forever you know or not it's it's taken you know almost like twice as long as it should where we're getting to origin like what's going to happen with wonder girl you know she's been uh kind of taken in by like some of the gods and you know we have what's her name the other artemis and uh Cassie Sandsmark, you know they're they're looking for because people are searching. Who is this? You know, Yara Floor and you know what's going on, and what is she going to decide? And so it's like I really don't know what's going on, but I, I but I I really I'm I'm intrigued with the character, you know, and and this one of the few things that I liked in Future State was that uh, you know issues with her, so I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do with her and, and where she, and what is going to be her her place in the DC universe, you know, after this like origin stage is is set so we'll see about that aquaman to becoming issue two i haven't read the first issue i want to read this but i feel like this is going to be a lot of jackson hyde kissing his boyfriend it's like we have a gay character and all gay characters do is is make out with their partner i mean that's that's how it, it appears in comics so I haven't. I didn't get around to reading the first issue, and um, part of it also. I mean, if I'm being honest, I'm not a big fan about Ad- Atlantean stuff. So his his appearance recently in Aquaman, just like all the the civil war, not civil war, but the civil arguments between different factions of Atlantis, I kind of don't really care, and I I just want to you know what what is is what's happening with, with Aquaman and Mara to get married. And, you know, you want to see some adventures. I don't want to see like government stuff and people fighting. And so, but maybe that's not what this is about. I mean, I did read Aquaman green arrow, deep target. Um, I was, I was, it was, I was like, eh, I don't know. What is this even about? I had no idea. And I, I was like, it's weird to have these two together, but I think they both had their first appearance in the same issue which is, like, weird when you think about that. It's like, if you have that first issue, that's, like, double whammy, you know, two, like, awesome characters, you know, just big piece of history or whatever you want to call it. But what is going on here, because it's celebrating the 80th anniversary of the two since they both appeared together, uh, something happens, and um, they swap places. Spoiler. I mean, I guess you – can you see on the cover? Maybe you can't see. Was, was that like a huge spoiler? Let's see. What's this say? Um, we're looking at past effects. They have somewhat altered a timeline, only Aquaman and Green Air. So maybe that's a little bit of a spoiler because I didn't know about that, but I didn't really know anything about the series. So something happens and it's like, what is going on? And um, it's it's kind of weird. So I won't go into more detail, but yeah, so we'll see where that, that goes. Deathstroke, Inc. issue two. And uh, this is, this is interesting because, you know, Deathstroke, I think he's a cool character, and, and he's he's always, like, in that gray area where it's, like, is he a good guy? Is he not a good guy? You know, what, what's going on? And the fact that there are, like, other Deathstrokes around, we saw, like, in like Justice League or something, he's working with this organization, and Black Canary is supposed to be, like, infiltrating this organization, trust, and, you know, what, what, is, what are they up to? You know, do they have good intentions or not? And then we find out, uh, oh, they go up against Cyborg Superman, like out in space, this like satellite. So it's like, okay, that's that's interesting. And uh, there's a there's like a shoe that gets dropped. Is that right? I mean, there's there's a, a there's like a shocker at the end, like something. I won't go into specifics, but so I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Then there's a Batman Fortnite Foundations. I I did read this. I'm pretty sure I, I finished it, but I don't know if I... Or I so I, I don't remember how it, this issue ended, and uh, I'm not going to open it up right now. But you can see on the cover, ugh, we have the Batman Who Laughs. So Christos Gage is writing it. Well, what I didn't realize until I started reading it is Scott Snyder is a co-writer too. So part of me is like, is his kids into Fortnite and, and you know, he's, he's doing this for his kids, which it could be. And if so, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, make your kids happy. Do I'm all for doing things for your kids. And, uh, it's great that we can get an, a, such a you know, established, esteemed writer as Scott Snyder, who's done, you know, lots of amazing things with, with Batman to now, you know, he is adding his little stamp and piece of stamp or whatever, and, you know, Christopher's gage is, is, you know, he does always does a great job. That gives me a little more confidence in this. You know, I, I enjoyed the first series. You know, it was fine. Uh, it, it was interesting. I'm not crazy about the return of Batman Who Lasts, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But then also, like I mentioned when I was talking about the first uh, series, Superman is involved here, so he may come into it. So we'll have to see um dc versus vampires issue one so this obviously is going to be like an out of continuity story it's a 12 issue series the big seller for me is that this is otto schmidt's art and i I love his art i love seeing you know what what he does so that's gonna be really cool the other really cool thing is matthew rosenberg because he he always does a great job this issue um does a, a good job in setting up just this this new whatever just new little little world is the story whatever and and it's going to involve vampires and when you first hear it's like okay dc versus vampires i was like really but it's it's always interesting that you know to to check this out to see what's going to happen so i'm really curious i did like i don't know it's not really a a spoiler but oh james tanya the fourth is involved with this too so that makes it even you know triple awesome I, Vampire, is in here. So I, I love the I, Vampire series. Man, you know, Andrea Sorrentino's art in there. And that was just really good. I was so bummed when that that ended. You know, it's the new 52. It's such an oddball. To, so surprising that they made that that series. But I, I'm so glad they did. So it was cool to see him. Because I, I haven't... I have kind of haven't really thought about those characters in a while. Because it was... Too sad to think about them because the just the series is over. So, the, the it's it's good. You should. I recommend DC vs. Vampire. It's worth checking out. Uh, then we have Task Force Z, um, issue one. So if you've been reading, I don't, was it an urban, ba, urban Batman, urban legends or something? There one of the bat. I think it was that where there was a a story, a Red Hood story, and it was kind of leading towards this. Basically, let's see. Task Force X saw villains working their way to freedom. Task Force Z will see dead villains working for a chance at life. On a day, the attack at Arkham Asylum left hundreds of Gotham's most cunning and deranged criminals dead. And now a mysterious benefactor has activated the government's task force, bringing... or clause to bring them back as the ultimate army of the night. So, yeah. So, that's weird. What... the, The... Thin ice, thin ice. That's sketchy. I don't know what I'm trying to say. The, the weird thing that they have to be careful is, is they're saying that these characters are really dead. Like, um, see, do we see on the cover? So Bane's on the cover. So they're saying, yeah, Bane really is dead. Because you know, so many times characters are dead and then, hey, they're back. They got better. You know, they weren't really dead or something like that. But like some stuff that happens here is like, okay, that character is really dead because now they're a zombie. And then when they're a zombie, something happens. And it's like, how are you going to come back from that? You know, it's a uh, interesting. And then to to lead this task force, they they have Jason Todd, which is weird. He's trying to control these zombies and go basically go on mission. It's it's such a bizarre idea or whatever. But it's again Matthew Rosenberg. So I'm I'm totally open to see where this is going to go. I like you know Jason Todd. I like like Red Hood. So yeah it's just gonna be be interesting and i think that's it from dc over at marvel so we had amazing spider-man 77 so we have ben riley my problem with ben riley i mean i you know i love ben riley you should know i love ben riley i love scarlet spider I I I think I like Ben more as Scarlet Spider than as, as a Spider Man. You know, I've always said it's like, why not? Why can't there be two Spider Men? You know, we have two Spider Spider-Mans with Miles Morales and Peter, so we why not have three Spider Spider-Mans? You know, what's 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 the difference? But my problem here is it almost feels like this isn't the same Ben Riley because he seems a little more not necessarily naive, but like a a little less experience and you know this is he basically has all of Peter's memories up until you know when they r- ran into each other and and during was it amazing spider-man 141 when it appeared that he's dead and, and Peter threw his body in a smokestack and he wasn't really dead or whatever and then he just went on the road and it was chased by Kane and you know did other things so he he may have a little gap of like Not the experience that Peter as Spider-Man had since then, but there's just like things that happen where it feels like he's not as up to it as he should be because, you know, he has all of Peter's memories and he has his skills and even as he when he made his debut as a Scarlet Spider, he did quite a bit. And, you know, he fought a lot of people. You know, he was in action for, for a bit. But it's like a lot here. It just he feels like very inexperienced. And that just seems kind of weird. Uh, the Beyond Corporation, there's very controlling. You know, I'm, I'm super suspicious. And and the fact that he's not makes him seem a little dumb or, again, or maybe a little naive. Peter is a smart person. And I, I feel like Peter Parker wouldn't fall for this. Or he wouldn't just say, sure, I'll I'll accept this and I'll live in your, like, practic- practically like prison. Because he, he turned off his costume sensors whatever when he went to, you know, contact Mary Jane and Aunt May and they got mad at him and, and stuff like that. It's like, so what, he's he's not allowed to talk to someone else that you want to be monitoring everywhere he goes and that? But, you know, I am intrigued with... But, oh, and the other thing that, that's kind of weird is just how, like, misty knight and colleen wing you know they're they're like hey ben you know he's just like training with them or whatever and so everyone is like this is ben riley and they're looking at his face and and yeah he's got blonde hair but i mean are, so many people know that ben is spider-man you know the whole corporation knows and while there may not be like on paper like a direct connection to peter parker but it's like it's his face the fact that Beyond Corporation bought the remains of Parker Industries, so does that mean that they know that Peter? It's and and the fact that Peter was the CEO of this big corporation, so, you know, people got to know what he looks like. So, whatever, Black Widow issue twelve. This is oh, I, I just love this series, and I just wanted to keep going and going. Uh, so, Kelly Thompson is doing a great job it's continuing from the, the last series where you know they're, they're trying to infiltrate this um group to find out like what's going on and everything like that i love yelena being here i, lo- I love that we have bucky and hawkeye and anya and uh, that other new girl who they they kind of saved and helped whatever so it, it's it's a even though it's, a, it's black widow it's it's really great seeing like this un- ensemble cast and it just just really works and I just, I love everything about this series. I mean, it's just, it just flows right to art. Um, Elena Casagrande, it's just, it's really, really good. And I, I just really like everything about this. And and even like the little comments about Hawkeye and stuff like that, you know, just little, little jabs at him and it's, and it doesn't feel like it's like a forced, you know, jab or joke or anything like that. So it's just, it's been, I'm enjoying this series. With Daredevil 35. So this is continuing Electra as Daredevil going up against Bullseye. And if that wasn't bad enough, there's actually three bullseyes. Is there only three? Is there more than three? That, that's something that he, he makes a comment about that, that. Like, Could there be another one? Uh, so, yeah, they, they made like, copies of, of Bullseye, which is a horrible idea. And he's just been like, or they've been killing people like in New York City. So it's like everyone is staying inside. So she's, uh, she has to figure out a way to stop him. Uh, what's her name? Typhoid Mary went out. As, as Daredevil, and she's trying to fight him too. And, you know, Kingpin, meanwhile, he's like, I, mean, I think I might like Mary because he isn't, he aren't they getting married? Is that like something that's been announced? So it's just kind of weird. Yeah, so it's like, will, will Electra be able to survive fighting more than one? Uh, what's his, what's uh, Bullseye? And what's happening, in Daredevil? So Matt Murdock, we, we get to see him as well. The Dark Hole Blade issue one. I did not read this. And I have it, like, primed on my iPad in the Marvel app. So with the, the Iron Man Darkhold, I mean, that was an intriguing story. So it was very dark. But I just, I don't know how, I don't know if I care enough. I mean, I'm okay with Blade. I don't love the character. I I don't like just the attitude that he has, you know, like he's better than everyone else type of thing. But um, so I, I feel like, that this is just gonna be like another, like alternate, almost like a what if origin, new origin for Blade or something. And, you know, since things are, are like kind of changed or twisted or whatever. So I don't know. I'll probably read it, but yeah, I just, I wasn't super crazy about it. Inferno issue two, we're finding out more. Um, let's see, how much should I spoil here? So basically, it doesn't say, this solicit doesn't say anything. But Mystique has been wanting to bring back Destiny for the longest time. And there's been some hesitation or delay. You know, the, 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 Dead mutants are being brought back and you know all, all this stuff. So Destiny does come back. But the big question is, like, how the heck does she come back when Professor X and Magneto are, have been stalling on that? And we find out why. And it has to do with Moira uh who has i've been i think i i don't know if i brought her up recently it's like where the heck is moira when we found out that she's a mutant and she reincarnates and and remembers everything so there, there's definitely some stuff going on and and mystique is making like a power play with the the what is it secret councils, shadow council shadow count whatever they're called the krakoan council and then uh if, if that wasn't enough, you know, she's making her deals. And, you know, we like I said, we do find out how and why Destiny came back. But another member is brought into the council and they're making, like, a big deal about it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen there. Uh, Moon... Oh, no, Marauders, issue 25. Marauders were abandoned in space. They're, they... This stupid space dude who seems like such a dork, but he's, I he think he's so cool. He betrayed the, the Marauders and just jettisoned them out in space since they were like on his ship or whatever. And uh, it's it's really cool. Obviously, they're going to survive. Well, I mean, they don't have to because then Smeetons can just come back. But they do find a way to survive and uh, kind of move forward from there. And it's, so it was, it was pretty cool. The great thing about this is the I love when writers include the fact that Kitty Pride is a friggin ninja that she was trained by Ogun, he remade her and she's like this deadly fighter cuz she doesn't do that and she doesn't have to be. You know, just because you know how to fight doesn't mean you're, gonna, you know, go around killing people with a, like a single punch. But it's just um really cool when she's given that acknowledgement that you know she is like a major complete badass so I, I think that's cool did I say Kitty or did I say Kate she's she's gonna be Kitty I don't I I'm not it's just weird to like oh I'm Kate by the way you know she's an adult I I still think it would be weird if, if I suddenly said okay I'm not going by Tony anymore I'm Anthony it's like it would be so weird Moon Knight issue four we find out that there's someone else causing problems for Moon Knight they're like, well, we're gonna hit him where it hurts. We're gonna like hack into his his money, take all his money away. Because if we can get Stephen Grant's money, you know, having a moon copter and and weapons, you know, that costs money. So we're gonna get him to do what what we want him to do. So that causes a, a little problem. And uh, the cool thing is, you see in the cover at first, I'm like Tiger. I was like, why the heck is Tiger here? But it's great when she shows up, and because she's it's you know going back to their west coast avengers days and so i think that's awesome that that yeah they were teammates and you know uh the way things play out here is i was like yeah i i kind of would like her to, to stick around for a bit because it's nice to have that callback even though you know that wasn't that wasn't necessarily like a defining moment in moon knight's comic career but i i think it's it's awesome when it's referenced, that it's not just like, you know, brushed under the rug or whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm down with her, her being around I, I think that could be a cool thing. Um, so wait, sword issue nine came out. Did I read this? I guess I did read this. Um, I'm trying to remember what had happened here. Stuff with Henry Guyrich. He's, yeah, he's, I'm just, I don't care. Oh, the, the they, so he's making some play. He's concerned with the mutants taking Mars. It's like, whatever. They, they made it inhabitable, or habitable. Uh, and he's trying to get Guardian to be on his side. Uh, oh, yeah. And then as uh, the Shi'ar land, they get attacked, and, and people are getting killed. So, yeah, things are, are, are pretty nutty. Spider-Woman issue 16. Jess is trying to fight her evil brother and his evil girlfriend or whatever and she's fighting alongside her niece who is kind of been enhanced a little bit and it's it's it was a good issue i I don't i I feel like i don't have much more to say about that but um this is it's it's good i like it (laughs) Star star wars vader issue 17 so this is kind of continuing from War to Bounty Hunters. There's some other stuff with, like, uh, I don't remember who this this lady is. She's like some sort of, not, she's not a Viceroy, but she's somewhere. It was like, is she betraying Darth Vader or whatever? And is she going to get killed or not? And I, it's it's almost like the same thing because, you know, she, her, well, she doesn't get killed. And then that dude, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm totally drawing a blank now. He almost had it. Not Moss as. Az- uh, whatever, but then he's like maybe the Emperor just doesn't notice you, he doesn't care if you're alive or not or whatever it's basically, you know, because Darth Vader is chasing after Luke and then, you know, he gets called by the Emperor, so he has to stop his, his pursuit of Luke and, and so forth and then we have Star Wars, War to Bounty Hunters, IG-88 so IG-88 fought Darth Vader and it didn't go too well for him he gets, uh gathered up and rebuilt and and brought back and um <laughs> was that a good idea maybe, maybe not and uh so it'll be interesting to see where but then what it's like so once he's he's back he's like he, he's determined to go after Boba Fett since he has Han Solo but he already del- didn't he already deliver Han Solo to Jabba so here a little slow here, so like what's what's 88 going to do next? That's the interesting thing. But it's a one shot, so who knows when we'll find out. And then there's Wolverine 17. So I I didn't read 16 when it came out, and I kind of skimmed through it. I was just like, I didn't really want to read it, so I, I just I never read 16. I just skimmed. Um, 17 is kind of interesting. So his uh, Mavericks here, Maverick shows up. But then um, Wolverine's friend, the CIA, CIA agent, uh, Jeff Bannister, he um, he kind of makes a discovery where he sees this this lady who is uh, the head of the X desk, I think that's what they call it, like kind of like the the government liaison for Krakoa. He like sees her coming out of this diner, and he's like, "What the heck is she doing here?" and then he finds out that she goes there like every week the same time sits in the same booth and you know doesn't really order much and he kind of unlocks something there and then there's some serious repercussions that like follow from there. So uh, not really sure what that means for Krakoa and and it doesn't look good. I mean there, there's some, some bad things happening. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not super crazy about the Wolverine series, the last few issues. But this this is kind of intriguing, I guess. So we'll, we'll see where, where this goes. And that, I believe, is going to be comics for a week. Okay, then with Why the Last Man, Season 1, Episode 9, Peppers. This was a, a good episode. So it starts off, we see 355 is running. And, like, uh, so at first, it's like, is this a flashback? Is this currently? So I, I think it's current. She's, you know, staying in shape. And she's thinking back to when she was chosen for whatever this program that she was in. And, you know, when she was a kid and, and you know, she wasn't chosen because she was special or whatever. And, you know, she's, like, I think it was, like, getting ready. And we'll, we'll see more in a bit. Um, then there's, like, this party at the, the woman's prison place. You know, it's, like, every Saturday they, they have this big get-together Three fifty-five tells York, you know, because she's like, I told you not to go anywhere, but you know, because he went off when you know she was like so recovering. Why York tells three fifty-five that it's safer there. That you know, he's like, a lot of the women here took pleas. He's like, they're probably innocent. It's just like systemic racism. He says that you know it's it's more likely that they wouldn't be the type of people who would want to start stuff or whatever. But then Sonia is, she's like, "Oh, I started stuff." She's like, "A lot of us did and whatever." You know, she's saying like, "Like, oh no, you know, we did bad things and stuff like that." Uh, so as they're sitting there, then Scrubs starts starts playing. And uh, 355 is kind of dancing a little bit as, as she's sitting. Then York gets up and he's like, he's like oh, you want to dance? And she's like, uh, no. And then he, you know, so he, he's like in her face and he's like, oh, what, what you, you can't dance or something like that? And then he starts moving, you know, doing his his white boy moves. And then um, she gets up. Then then he, so he, they're kind of sort of dancing together, you know, side next to each other. Then he's like, oh wait, is this our song? <laughs> Which is like Scrubs is going to be like your song. Um, and then but as they're doing this like Sonia seems to get upset that they're dancing and so she like gets up and walks off and this other lady and she's like she's like oh you know you're so desperate to get laid and she's like you know others are too and I think she says something like you know they can make money off of it or, or something then you know Sonia leaves her, and then a uh, man uh, Allison she comes up she's like what's what's your deal it's like do you like him too or something like that so it's like everyone is like you know looking eyeing Yorick because he's he's the last man uh, then with, later we see 355s making a sandwich like in the kitchen. Sonia comes in and she puts like this black cylinder thing like with the lights. it must you know' it's from the the to whatever her um, what's it called not a drop bag back whatever it, it's some government tracking something because she's like, what's this And 335's like she's like uh, it's not mine because she said she found it in the, the truck in the, the wreckage when when they, they crashed. And she's like, well, what if I showed it to to York or Allison? And she's like, really trying to push three fifty five. And you know, she's like, she's like, oh, you know. Then she reaches over and she grabs this knife. She's like, am I supposed to be intimidated? And then you know, she starts cutting her sandwich. She's like, oh, is that sandwich supposed to be me or something like that? And she's like, you know, she's like, we're the same. And she's like, you know, we. She's like, I've done terrible things, whatever. And then York comes in and, and three fifty five like grabs a, the cylinder off the counter and sticks in her pocket. And uh, then he's 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 uh someone gave him a joint or something like that and he's like i know he's like don't tell tell allison whatever because you know they get like one a day or one i forget what it was or something like that and then like 355 has more flashbacks so then we see hero she's like walking through like almost like some tunnels like a building it's like hall of voices building There's a bunch of dudes talking and there's like, you know, signs, hear them talk again. So it's like all these recordings of guys or something like that. There's this little stage where I guess women go up there and they read stuff, like whether it's poetry or, you know, memories or who knows. And then Hero walks up to this other lady and says, uh, she's like, 10 inside, all unarmed. She's like, now's the time. So this woman runs off and she makes it back to like Roxanne and the other. And uh, they're like, you know, there's three women with guns. She's like, Nora was right. She's like, we can take them. So Nora tells Roxanne to um, tell the girls food first. And Roxanne, you know, talks to the girls. These women, you know, they built the shrine to men. And so they're going to go and take their food and stuff to show them. And Roxanne wants Nora to go with. She's like, oh, no, I'll stay back with the kids. And Roxanne's like, no, it's like so-and-so will watch her. So she, you know, Roxanne's making her go. They carry bats and sticks and stuff like that. Um, They start like running and screaming. You know, there's four, they have four horses that are riding in there. Roxanne comes she's like we're the daughters of the Amazon and we're gonna take what's ours and then he starts trashing like all the the men's stuff like you know the the recording the the books and pamphlets you know knocking everything on the floor and then he starts trashing the food too which is like why are they doing that and uh you know like one's like smashing all these cereals and Nora, like, slams a baseball bat, like, above her head, you know, against the fence. She's like, don't mess with the corn pops or something. like that. It's, it's like, what is going on here? So then uh, later we see Roxanne. She's beating, like, this recording device with her golf club that she was carrying. <laughs> and so it's like, not a sword. You're carrying a golf club. Nora's like, you know, we could have traded that. You know, it has value or whatever. And Nora's like, you know, whatever. And or Roxanne's like, whatever. And then Nora's like, oh, it's like, I'm surrounded by children or whatever. So it's just like... I don't know what's going on here. Then we see uh, Kimberly. She's just like filing her nails. Uh, general's talking to Regina. So the general's upset because she says two of her pilots are dead based on orders of a sitting president. But it's like they don't know that for a fact. She's, uh, the general's like, she's lost the right to leave. And Regina asks Kimberly if she's had any second thoughts. But Kimberly's not saying anything because, you know, since her mom killed herself. So then the, the general leaves and, um, Addresses her as Madam Secretary, and Regina's like, corrects her. She's like, Madam President. She's like, or at least it will be in about thirty minutes. So they're gonna go overthrow Jennifer. Then Regina asks Kim, well, like Kimberly, what she needs? She, you know, she says, woman, don't trust her. That you know, she needs to reassure them, and she tells Kim, she's like, you know, get your poop together. She's like, you know, I need you, whatever. And then Regina leaves. Kimberly looks at a piece of broken glass on the floor and thinks about her mom or something like that. So, uh, there's some women talking about Jennifer, and they're arming up some devices. Uh, so, sort they're of like under the tunnel, like where the, the subway tunnels were blocked to the Pentagon. And it's, these are different ones. It's like, are they going to blow this up or whatever? And um, so, I think these women, uh, Beth is here. So, it's like that group that, that she was with. So, it's like, okay, what are they after? Uh, Christine and Jennifer are talking. She got Christine like a can of oranges because, you know, she was like craving something, you know, from real fruit fruit or something like that. But then uh, she admits to Jennifer she made a mistake. She's like, you know, I was on a pill or something like that. She's like, I you know, I couldn't have missed more than a day, two at the most. And Jennifer's like, you're pregnant? And Christine's like, you know, she apologized. She's like, it was selfish. And Jennifer's like, no. She's like, how are you feeling? And, you know, she's like, well, you know, I was like, I always wanted to have kids someday, but I wasn't in love. And now, you know, this could be her only chance. And she's like, what kind of world is this? And Jennifer's like, you know, no one knows what you're doing. She's like, I was terrified when I was pregnant with Hero. I was worried that I'd, I'd F it up. But, you know, she was the best decision I ever made. And then uh, just knock on a door. And Jennifer's like, oh, just a minute. But then a couple soldiers just walk in. She's like, I said just a minute. And they're like, you're needed in the war room. Then uh, they put York's wall graduation picture in front of the soldier in the woods. And she's like, you know, without a question, it was York Brown. And Kimberly's like smugly, you know, raises her hands like, "Uh uh-huh. You know, it's like, like, whatever. Uh, So, you know, someone's like, oh, she was coach or something like that. And then they say that Jennifer heard uh, her captain's story and had her reassigned. So it's a staggering abuse of powers. Then Jennifer and Christine come in. They all look at her. Regina's like smiling, and this one lady, I think her name was Lisa, says that they're saying your son is alive, and Bergen found him in New York. And Jennifer, she looks a little perplexed, like she's acting, maybe. And then um, she says to the soldiers to stand down, but uh, Kimberly butts in and saying, "She's like my mother was fragile. She's grieving, and she's like you know Jennifer. She's like you killed her. You made her feel crazy. She might as well you might as well push her off the roof yourself." And she tells everyone in the room, she's like, she's been lying to to you. You know, she still is lying. And Regina says that the sisterhood that they think they're building is BS. And then Lisa turns to Jennifer and she's like, "Is this true?" And she's like, "Lisa, this is a woman who has concerns about fluoride. She's like, she's not a serious person." And Kimberly says that you know, she's been keeping everyone in the dark except for Christine. And Kimberly is like, "I'm saying this as someone who cares about you. You need to come clean." And so it's like, what, is she trying to use the fact that she knows she's pregnant? It's like, how is that even, like, that's not like dirt that you're holding, can hold over someone's head. But Christine's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Kimberly's like, there are two eyewitnesses, and she used her her to cover her tracks. She's like, the order to have the captain reassigned came through Christine. Then Jennifer tries saying, she's like, enough. But another lady's it's like, no, let her finish. And Kimberly's like, Jennifer Brown won't suffer much, but Christine, she's like, she's like you're nobody. She's like, no one will protect you. And when the people outside the gate hear about this, it's like, they'll tear you limb from limb. And Jennifer's like, leave her out of this. She didn't know. And Jennifer says, she's like, I thought he was dead. And then they're like, oh. and she, so she, she's like, he was found in New York in evacuation. She's like, I have no idea how he survived. And she's like, there's a genesis at Harvard and agent Bergen is bringing York to her so they can learn how and why. And and Regina interrupts, she's like Harvard. And she's like, they were in central Pennsylvania. She's like, where were they going? And Jennifer's like, that's classified. And Regina's like classified or you don't effing know. And Jennifer's like, I did what I thought was best for all of us. If anyone found out and then someone interrupts like, that's not a good way for the president to start a sentence. But it's like, no, presidents know like secrets. They have to keep secrets that is for the good of everyone. I mean, that's part of the job. So Jennifer's like, you know, presidents make tough decisions and you know the, the best thing was to keep the circle closed. And Kimberly says that she took their only chance to bring the world back and hit him away. And Jennifer's like, I had no choice. She's like, I did what I did to protect all of us. And Kimberly's like, the future of the human race depends on his survival. And you sent him out there with one person. She's like, you weren't thinking of anyone. You just wanted him for yourself. And Jennifer is like, he's my son. And Kimberly's like, my sons are dead. It's like, okay. So this, see, Kimberly's like turning us all. She's complaining that Jennifer's like being selfish, but Kimberly's like making this about her and her kids. So general accuses her of murdering her two pilots. And she's like, no, And the general's like, well, Bergen has taken orders from you or she's gone rogue. It's like either way, you lost control. Regina's like, Well, you know, you'll be placed in protective custody and then we'll figure out a transition. And Rachel's like, Isn't that premature? So it's another lady. And Regina's like, it it's not a discussion. She has to go. And this other lady, Miranda, she's like, She's right. And then she's like, they're already screaming conspiracy, you know, outside the gates. And Jennifer doesn't say anything. And then Kimberly is like Almost like slowly starts to smile and it's evil. I feel like Kimberly's like losing her mind. I mean, she's just like so unhinged. So some soldiers, other soldiers in the tunnel hear something and then they see like they look through the barricade and they see like a suitcase or so they know it's a blows up before they can do anything about it. So then a, a lady says, Secretary Oliver will serve out the rest of Jennifer's term. And the others like, no, she's like, we'll choose an acting president, you know, one of us. And then, you know, she'll serve until we can hold an election. Regina's like, there was an election. Ted, Ted Campbell, pick me. And then there's a loud knocking in the door. Soldier talks to general. And then she says that they all need to go with her, that there's been an explosion downstairs. So they need to get somewhere secure. And, you know, they'll go in this room. Whatever, and they're like, why? So you can just lock us in? So soldiers are walking through the wreckage. Uh, people at the gate heard the explosion. And apparently they tore a piece of the gate down. So they're like starting to, you know, get trying to get in one says that a second bomb by the generator is ready to go or something like that and then uh one tells Beth that she's the only one who's been inside and she looks at she's like are you good and she's like yeah so Beth is uh I'm not really sure like what Beth's motives are but it doesn't seem like she's completely I don't are they evil like what are they trying to do here and so she's she's helping but she's not like totally gung-ho into the cause so so the VIPs are taken through the tunnels. Regina says that the protesters hate Jennifer Brown. She's and she wants to talk to him. Second bomb goes off somewhere, and then uh, they come into contact with like uh, the, the general so- soldiers and these these other people that are, are trying to attack them. So uh, it's a standoff. The general finally puts her gun down. Everyone's ordered to put their hands out in front of them. You know they're gonna be like zip tied or whatever. And then Jennifer sees Beth's eyes um, underneath her mask, and she's like, and she like tells her like not to say anything whatever uniformed soldiers are 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 taken away the amazons uh one girl says hero was was fierce and she's like oh no no and they're like oh it it makes sense she's like you know you killed your boyfriend you know he made you do it and this kind of catches hero off guard Nora over overhears this, whatever, and she starts talking to, to Hero, you know, after the other the girls leave. She talks to Hero about her husband and how she used to be angry and you know, she did what she thought she was supposed to do, you know, have a husband, you know, have kids, get a house, a job, but you know, it wasn't enough. You know, she wanted to be better and she's like, I'm angry and she's like, you know, that's what's kept me alive. And she's you know, she said she and Mac wouldn't have made it without that anger. And she's like, Next time, don't tell Roxanne your secrets. She's not worthy of them. And she le- leaps. So the the VIPs are the and by VIPs like the the government, the inner circle. That's what just what I'm calling them. So uh, they're they're figuring out like what to do. Um, so Christine recognized Beth, and she's like, "Is that?" And she's like, "Yeah." So Jennifer says that you know they can't tell them about York, and if Regina does, it's you know her word against theirs. So um, someone calls on the radio and, you know, they want to talk, or whatever. So they give the, the, the walkie-talkie to Kimberly. And then she's like, we're in the war room and they have guns. And he slaps her. And they're like, <gasps> <gasps> then she pulls out a, a gun. She's like demands to know who's in charge, you know, who or who's the president. Is it Regina or is it Jennifer? She's like, who's in charge? And Jennifer sits up and says that she is. So this lady with the gun, she's like, we want food, medicine, weapon reserves, you know we want locations and access. and Jennifer's like, you know we can talk after you let them go. She's like you don't need all of them. she's like, I'm enough. And then there's like this bang outside and she's like, you know there's a thousand military personnel in the building. she's like they're gonna get into the room. It's like one way or another. And Jennifer's like, she's like I can help. And Regina's like, any offer she makes is worthless. she's not in charge anymore. And she's like, I'm the president. And another, t- you know, tells her to sit down. And then they're like, can you tell her where the stockpiles are or anything? And, and, and I, I said, was this Jennifer? Is and they're like, you know, let the adults do their job or something like that. And Beth um, tells one lady, she's like, we have to move now. She's like, Kimberly, you know, or she's like, she told them where we are and they could be on their way. And the, the lady's like, you know, we can't move 20 of them. She's like, we would need a school bus or something like that. So they're going to move them in small groups. Um, they they light up a bunch of files and stuff on a table, including York's picture. Regina uh, keeps going on about how she can help. You know she's on their side, and she's like, you wouldn't believe this half the stuff that Jennifer did. And you know she says that Jennifer met with Ted Campbell the night before the men died. Maybe she knew it was coming. She's like, maybe they all did. So then the one lady, I think her name was Malika, she tells her to shut up. Then Regina, uh, she's like, Jennifer Brown's son is alive. She killed two soldiers. To keep it quiet. And then Malika just turns around and shoots her in the head. She, she shot Regina. Regina's gone. So it's like harsh, but okay. <laughs> and, you know, the other women are like, ah, you're screaming. right. And Kimberly has like blood on her face. But then like Malika, I'm pretty sure it was Malika because it was a little dark and everything like that. I think she like throws up because, you know, maybe she's never killed someone before. So maybe she's not that hardcore, but, you know, you're they're changing. They're, you know, adapting to this new world. And Beth is kind of, like, shocked. And then Malika's like, take the body outside. And Beth is, like, like kind of stuttering. And she's like, what, what did she, you, you know. And Beth's, she's like, you said no one would, would get hurt. And Malika's like, this is a Pentagon. She's like, there is no government without these people. And she asks Beth, she's like, do you want to start over? You know, do you want real change? She's like, this is it. And she points to Jennifer. She's next. So York's drinking a beer sonia's is like it's like oh you know your hands are disgusting she's like i'm a licensed cosmo- cosmologist or like that and she's rubbing his like hands and arms and she's like oh i have like some other you know lotions upstairs so it's just like come on man man asked 355 you know because she, she like walks by man's in a room she's like can you hey she's like can you get that box because she's taller so and 355 sees a scar on her side you know she's putting on this other shirt or whatever and she's like is that from the crash and she's like no she's like some of my work is controversial and you know sometimes I'm the only participant and so 355 gets more flashbacks when a uh, man mentions that a lady might try to cuz she, she might try to hook up with some lady or something like that um, she's like well she's just a getaway driver she didn't kill anyone and um then uh, three fifty five starts thinking back to her first kill, and like her her handler is telling her how brilliant she was. You know, three fifty five is just kind of like in shock or whatever. You know, she must have killed someone. I don't know how. Then she runs down by the river with like the cylinder device, and she smashes it with a rock. So not really. I forget what that was. was it like a, a way to contact someone. I don't know. So the VIPs are, are still getting moved. Uh, tear gas is now being pumped into the vents, and then like you can hear some shooting. So uh, the, the women starting this insurrection, or whatever, they start shooting. Beth uh, starts cutting uh, the, the binds or whatever. And one lady comes out and she's like, don't shoot. She's like, I'm with the president. And, uh, you know, Beth takes, I think she gets shot. And, and uh, Beth takes Jennifer, Christine, and, Kim, and Kim, Christine and Kimberly go with her. And then Christine and Kimberly kind of get separated from from them because you know there's like chaos and shooting and everything like that. This lady recognizes Kimberly and she like shoves her, and then um, then Christine there and she goes after her after Christine, and then Kimberly like, stabs her. I wasn't sure if she stabbed her or shocked her with something like a taser, but she just like really goes after her, like to protect Christine. So it's like, wow, Kimberly, Regina, no wait, Roxanne right? Roxanne's the, the, the Costco lady. She wants to hunt down the men who survived and killed him. And she's like, you know, there, there's proof whatever there at that the the men's center. She's like, uh, they ruined her life. And as long as they're out there, you know, she's like, she can't survive. And I think, wait, was, did Nora smash something? Then this lady's like, like, oh, his face was on a phone. She's like, there's a, a man nearby in a town with electricity. And then Nora tells Regina that she was right, that they should go and start with this guy who wears a gas mask. So they must have heard that York is at the the ladies' prison because she's like there's a town you know they have electricity somehow or whatever. So it must be their generators and that. So, and then uh, then it ends with Beth and Jennifer are alone, and Beth asks her. She's like she's like tell me about. She's you know she's like York and and Jennifer's just like yes, and that's where it ends. And I believe there's just one episode left. And um, still I haven't heard anything, but there's no word on. If the show is gonna get picked up, I mean, I don't know how long something like this takes to, you know, decide, but hopefully we'll hear something. All right, Chucky season one episode three. I like to be hugged. So Chucky asks Jay if he's a stabby guy or a strangler, strangler strangulation guy, whatever, and he's like, I don't know. He's like, you know, maybe neither. He's like, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. And Chucky's like, oh, you can. He's like, you hate her. You know, he's talking about Lexi. And Jake's like, well, what if I'm not a killer? And Chucky's like, well, everyone is if you push hard enough. And he's like, you know, Lexi pushed you right over the edge. And Jake's like, you know, how did you get like this? And he's like, oh, it was your basic voodoo transfer spell. He's like, you know, my, it was my innovation using a doll. And Jake's like, no, how'd you become a killer? And so he's like, well, okay, I'm going to tell you the story of my first time. He's like, you never forget your first and he's like kind of narrating and you know he's like you know first thing you do is you pick your prey pick your prey that's something why is that sound weird pick your prey uh, and we see him like at a birthday party and this bratty girl um she goes up she's like charles it's like i want cake right now it's like geez. so then uh she tells charles to hurry up and cut the cake and then um the news, the radio is like on what her news says that like, you know, two people were killed, you know, don't go out at night or something like that. And then Charles like slices down like hard on the cake. So it's like, okay. She's like, at the middle school. The detective, uh, what was her name? Kim? Uh, she's talking to a science teacher, so Devin's mom. and She wants to talk to him about Jake. And the teacher's like, well, I'm not comfortable talking about my students. And the detective's like, well, you know, anywhere uh, Jake goes, death follows. So she thinks that he knows more than he's letting on and and she's like well what if one of these kids is next jake goes to his locker you know and then it's like i don't know it's every time you close a locker and someone's mis- magically appears behind you know so Devin's there and he's like how are you or whatever and jake's like oh i'm fine and Devin's like oh, it must have hurt you know he's like i wanted to say something uh but then he's like oh, it sounds stupid and jake's like no go ahead Devin's like yeah you know, I, I wish i could protect you or something maybe you know it it, I don't know it almost seems like a coincidence because it kind of seems like maybe Devin likes him back we don't know if Devin is gay you know we know Jake likes Devin he's got a crush on him you know he's had one and it seems like it would be like a big coincidence that he happens to be gay too and I mean I don't know if Jake liked Devin knowing that he was gay or thinking he was gay or if it's just he likes this this guy and then you know who knows if you know he would feel the same way but then, coincidentally, Devin might like him back, which, you know, great for, for the two of them, you know, if they both like each other, because, you know, that, that'd that be cool. But it's just seems a, a, whatever. Then uh, Jake's kind of like like smiles. He's like, well, I guess it, it does hurt a little bit, whatever. And then Devin puts his arm like like on his shoulder, like just, on, you know, standing in front of him. And it kind of catches Jake off guard, you know, whatever, just I guess him having his hand there or whatever. And he's like, I can't believe she did that. She's like, you know, you must be so angry. And Jake's like, oh no, he's like, we're we're cool now. You know, he's like acting like everything's fine. Cause basically he doesn't want to draw any suspicion if something happens to her, you know, he doesn't want anyone to know that he's got an issue with her. But then uh, his phone buzzes, he's like, oh, oh, I, I gotta go or something like that. He goes outside and his teacher, she's like, I invited your aunt. And you know your uncle to come in and talk, and also Lexi's parents. And he's like, he's like, oh, I, you know, this whole thing has gotten out of hand. And he's like, you know, I don't think you have to do that. He's like, me and Lexi are cool now. And she's like, I saw the pictures from the party. She's like, they're all over school. And then his phone chimes again. And then he's like, okay, yeah, you know, the parent thing is a good idea. And he, he tries leaving. And she's like, you know, if if you're ever in any trouble, you can come to me. She's like, you can trust me. So Chucky continues his narration. He's like, the next thing you got to do is really get to know your victim. And, you know, what they like, where they go. So we see Lexi running, and then Chucky's like, eventually you have to get your victim alone. Keep it intimate. So now she's out in the woods. So Chucky's like, timing is everything. Jake sees her, and, you know, he he goes to catch up, and he has, like, a big knife in his hand. But then you know, you're looking, because, you know, Lexi puts on, like, her hood as she's running. So it's like, you know something's going to happen, and that, that's going to be the wrong kid he goes up to you know what he thinks is lexi and it turns out it's junior junior is out running wearing the hoodie so it's like (laughs) you can't even tell the difference between your cousin and a girl because you're wearing a, a hoodie and shorts whatever so junior kind of freaks out he's like what are you doing he's like why are you following me you creep and uh he just Jake just like turns around and leaves or whatever so narration continues he says the moment isn't always right but you know he's like I promise you the moment will always come or something like that Alexi made it to her house so she was running you know so she's sitting in her, in her front lawn or whatever then Junior arrives and she's like oh thanks for grabbing my phone so that's why Jake attacked him so he must have been track somehow he was tracking her phone which makes zero sense maybe Chucky helped him hack it I don't know So then she's like, How'd you like my playlist? And he doesn't say anything. Then he's then he's like, you know, you went too far this time. And she's like, It was funny. She's like, I got four hundred likes. And Junior's like, You dressed up as as his dead dad. That's my uncle. And he's like, You need to apologize to Jake. And she's like, No way. And then she's like, Well, what if I don't? She's like, you know, what's Jake gonna do? And he's like, honestly, he's like, I don't know. He's like, Well, I'll talk to you later. And he goes to leave. So Lexi goes she's gonna go inside her house she hears a scream so her sister keeps saying no no you know they, they keep trying to give her something you know like you know another stuffed animal or something like that and she's just like throwing it you know and then Lexi's like you know she's just tries like helping her she's like you know what can we get you Whatever. her she's like I want my best friend I want Chucky I want Chucky so Jake's uh looking at this big like Reaper thing these hedge clippers like all these things that could be weapons. Like, There's a lot of sharp blades in the garage. So I don't know if it's like the gardener's shed or something like that. And then he's like practicing thrusting, like holding the knives different ways and just whoosh, whoosh, like all trying all this different stuff. Then Lexi walks up the driveway. She's like, hey, Freak Show. She's like, those look sharp. And he's like, Junior isn't home. And she's like, who cares? She's like, I'm here for you. And she's like, what's a blade for? And he's like, oh, it's gardening. And he's like, I'm thinking of using it for a new sculpture. And she's like, well, I don't care so then she you know she's looking at the stuff like hanging on a wall whatever and she's like you know my dad took took us to a wax museum once it was a chamber of terror so she's like her back is to him now and he like raises it and then she like turns around and he like puts his arm down and she's looking like she's like you're looking weirder than usual then he's like why are you here she's like i came to talk to you she's like i want to apologize for the whole dead dad halloween costume thing she's like I guess I could see how you wouldn't take it the right way. And he's like, there's a right way. And she's like, you know, sometimes when I'm upset, I hurt people. She's like, so I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, even though you're, you're creepy AF and you, and you tried to mess with me at the talent show. So she's like, I guess, you know, what I did was, was worse. So I should be a bigger man. Then she's like, you know, people underestimate my humility. Then he's like, you know, since you did an act of charity, he's like, what can I do for you? And she's like, Chucky, and she's like, no, it's not for me. It's for my sister. And Jake's like, no. She's like, you can't have him for any reason. And she's like appalled. She's like, I came all the way here to apologize, and this is how you repay me? It's like, oh, my goodness. She's like, like, you're such a waste or something like that, you know, of a person or I don't know. So he's like stabbing this like doll. He's made some other sculpture. And Chucky's like, you had your chance and you wasted it. And he's like, I wanted to, but I couldn't. He's like, plus, you know, with with my dad and and Annie, it's like the housekeeper is like it was too risky, and Chucky says that means once again I have to do the dirty work or your dirty work. He's like, you know, they they can give her what she what she wants or something like that. And Jake hands a knife over to Chucky, and he's like, shiny. Mm. It's like whatever. Um. So apparently Devin recorded the audio when he talked to Jake, which is like weird and creepy so he's playing it and like editing something and his mom walks by she has like laundry and she hears like the voice you know from outside the door so she opens his door and he's like mom you knock much or something like that and then she says she wants to talk to him about jake and she thinks it's best if he stays away from her and he's like i told you i barely know him and she's like are, or he's like are you picking my friends now it's like what did he do and she says you know people drop dead around him so either jake is trouble or trouble finds him And he's like, Jake hasn't done anything wrong. And he's like, and I'm going to prove it. And she's like, it's not a debate. It's an edict. So then whatever. So Jake goes over to Lexi's with Chucky. And, you know, he says he thought it was cool the way she came over and apologized. And she's like, yeah. And then um, her sister comes out and sees Chucky. And Lexi asks Caroline, uh, she's like, "She, she can have her? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, I don't... I don't you're you you do not know how much this means uh she's like thanks but she's like it doesn't mean we're friends or anything so then chucky continues his narration so we see caroline she's sitting on the floor with chucky and she's pretending to feed him with plastic food and then chucky's like i like to be hugged in his good guy voice so she picks him up and hugs him and then the mom and because so you know she doesn't like touching anyone you know there's like this interaction stuff So, the mom comes, mom and dad are sitting there and they're like, you know, surprised. And and they're like, Can I give Chucky a hug? And then Chucky whispers in in his sister's ear, you know, after that, after they hug. Caroline's like, He wants to give Lexi a hug. So, Lexi comes up, she reluctantly takes him. And then Caroline's hugging her too. And then the parents are like, Because, you know, she's actually hugging her sister. And so, you know, Chucky continues, like, Every killer needs a cover. And, you know, so something like about hiding behind an innocent face. So later they're watching the news and then Lexi's like, she'll be back. And she's like, "Will you be okay. So then, then Caroline says something like, you know, Chucky said life's too short. He wants to watch the news or something like that. So somehow then Chucky gets up and walks after Lexi and he has a knife. Several kids come over, you know, she, she, uh, Lexi lets them in cause I, the parents must've gone out again. Or they, I, they went to the parent conference, I guess. <laughs> So uh, Chucky kind of has to veer off when, you know, as he's trying to follow Lexi. Oliver brought a, a bottle from his parents' stash, and um, she thanks him and kind of like twirls her hair. So Junior isn't happy. He's like, why don't you tell me to bring something? And she's like, your parents would would freak out if you know you took something. He's like, his parents don't care. Junior sees Chucky. I was like, wait, who? <laughs> Junior sees Chucky, and uh, he's like, what are you doing with Jake's doll? And she's like, he brought it over for Caroline. And then she said, she's like, I went over and talked to him like he wanted. So there's a meeting at the school. Lexi's parents and Jake's uncle are there. And Lexi's, mom, uh, Lexi's mom says she, she thinks it's great that they care enough about their daughter to have this meeting, but she's like, but uh, how long is it going to take? Uh, she's like, we have theater tickets. So people will notice if the mayor isn't there. So Bree comes in. She's late. She's like, oh, traffic or something like that. She's probably seeing her boyfriend or that's your secret affair. Principal says that you know, they want to ensure that each student feels safe at the school the mayor's like yeah I feel the same way that's why I passed this whatever bill and blah 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 the teacher says that you know they take bullying seriously and Lexi has been bullying Jake so the, the mayor, is, she's like kind of ner- nervous laughs a little bit and she looks like at the and uncle and then she says her you know she's like my daughter's not a bully if anything she's a victim she's like did you see what that kid did at the talent show? and you know they, they say to, she's like we don't need to listen to these attack against our daughter teacher shows her the video she's like a student brought this to my attention so it's from a party when she's getting electrocuted um so jake's aunt and uncle see it too then uncle's like he's dressed up as lucas is like my brother and he's like why would you let her do that jake meanwhile is walking through the cemetery he's talking to his mom You know, he's like, you said it would get better. It never did. It got worse. And then he's like, I wonder if you could ever forgive me. And it's probably about letting Chuck or giving Chucky to Lexi to kill her. So basically he's going to be responsible for it. You know, it's his fault, even though he's not necessarily doing it. So Lexi and Junior tell Caroline it's time for bed. Uh, She wants Lexi to sing to her uh, because she's like, daddy does whatever. So she's like, fine. And she sings, don't fear the Reaper, of course, you know, Um, she tucks her in, lights out. And then, um. They leave. Then Chucky's like, hey, kid, I'm going to go kill your sister. Want to come? And she's like, I'm sleepy. Then he's like, yes, news, you lose. And then he he can't get out of the covers because it's, like, tucked in so much. He has to, like, cut the sheets because they're, like, snug as a bug in a rug or whatever. So the kids downstairs is, I don't know, maybe this is something they do. They have headphones and, like, flashlights, and they're, like, dancing. So maybe they're all listening to the same playlist with the headphones. And then, like you know, Devin's actually there, and he's like dancing with Lexi, or whatever. Even though she, which doesn't make sense because she was so horrible to Jake, and then he now he's he's over there. Oliver um, has his phone, and he goes up uh, close to to Lexi, and Junior's watching. You know, he like takes like a picture of them, or you know, Oliver takes like a selfie of them. Then, uh, then. Lexi grabs Junior. She's like, "Oh, I love this song." And then Oliver is just like staring at him. So uh, Lexi then she goes off to get another drink. She gets scared by her sister standing in the kitchen. She's like, "You're supposed to be in bed." She's like, "Chucky's gone," and Lexi's like, you probably fell under the bed." And Caroline's like, "No, he said he was coming to kill you." And Lexi's like, "Why would you say that?" And she's like, "I did, and Chucky did." So she's like, "Oh, you know," then she's just getting mad and she takes Caroline back upstairs. Get a flashback to Charles lying in bed. He's thinking about the news. Uh, The body count is like at 19 or something like that. Now he hears something and then he's like going down and it's like his mom getting killed because it's like, there's a, you hear like glass shattering or something, you know, something's going on. So Lexi, she goes downstairs after, you know, taking her sister up. And so she's looking for Chucky in the past. And flashback, Charles goes downstairs. You hear like flesh, like squelching. So someone's stabbing his dad then Chucky comes out he's like hey Lexi and he like with a knife and he like stabs but it wasn't Lexi he stabbed Oliver in the leg by accident he's like whoops my bad he's like I thought you were Lexi so Oliver's like freaking out now he's like trying to crawl away he's like ah f it and he goes after Oliver so then in in the past Charles is watching his dad get stabbed and then he's like Charles run so then his mom from, you know, still upstairs, she grabs him and they go in the, in the bedroom. She like, they hide in the closet, which is like kind of like a, not a good place to hide. In the present, uh, Chucky stabs Oliver over and over again in the back. The kids can't hear downstairs because they all have their headphones. And this is like the landing like right above the living room. But they all have their headphones on and are dancing with their eyes closed. <laughs> okay, okay. And now Oliver's dead. In the past, the killer is going in search of Charles and his mom. He goes upstairs. In the present, it keeps flipping back and forth. Lucky goes to tell Caroline she can't find Chucky, but she's already asleep. So she goes in, I guess, her room. She smokes a joint instead, and then she sees little shoes by the curtain. She pulls them back, and it's just just, just the shoes. It's just Chucky's shoes. Then Chucky walks up, jumps on her back. She drops her joint, and she's, like, struggling, the knife fell out of his hand. She tries like banging him against the window. It like shatters. The wind kind of comes in and blows the curtains on the, oh, the other ones or something like that. So they catch on fire from her, her joint. So uh, Chucky's like choking her. She manages to flip him over to her, sh- her shoulder. Chucky gets up, picks a knife up. He's like, This is for Jake, you effing little bleep. And it's it's like it's, it's censored. And Lexi just screams. So other kids are still dancing so now there's like a huge raging fire like fire buster a window and starts going downstairs no one hears this or knows so they have the music really loud and then chucky's like just standing in the middle of the flames in the past in the closet the mom covers charles mouth and he has like a little blade in his hand so the killer walks in the room and she like kind of gasps and then um then the killer just looks in the closet Jake, meanwhile, in the present, still at the cemetery, he hears sirens and he assumes that, you know, this is it. He says, he's like, I'm sorry. He starts crying. Um, and, of course, nearby is Charlie Ray's grave. So, I guess he was brought back to his town to be buried. Killer, in the past, opens a closet and sees Charles' mom dead. And then Charles looks up. He's like, I helped. And the killer, he's like, oh, you got guts. She's like, if you can do that. And he asks to see the knife. He's like, if you want to do this right, you have to cover your tracks. And he wipes the blood off the blade. And then Charles smiles. And then he goes, Phew. he like, kind of finger guns, shoots him. He's like, see you around, kid. And uh, President Chucky continues, some killers are made, but the best of us are born. Sometimes we just need a little push. And then he's still standing in the flames, which is like, dude, you're made out of plastic. He's just standing there like laughing in the middle of the flames. So we don't know what happened to Lexi. I I think she was in a preview for next week. She's not dead, but they they don't show us and just a big fire. I mean, she's got to know like what's going on now, so we'll have to see what happens next week. So, interesting, but we we so it's like we are getting like one one death per week. But I guess maybe no one depending on how closely they look at Oliver, they might just think he just died in the fire. You know, if if hmm. I mean, unless they find evidence of the stabbing, but depending on how burnt he is, I guess, you know, they, they may not know. So that was uh, this week's Chucky. All right, Stargirl, season two, episode 12, summer school, chapter 12. It's weird because, you know, we see the house, a lot of shots, like kind of panning shots of different rooms, and then I'm Too Sexy comes on. <laughs> and it's, it's like the adventures of Buddy the dog. He's like, you know, he's on top of a bunch of torn pillows. He's eating some gut into like Cheetos. He's just eating bags. You know, he's chews up several pairs of shoes and he goes down to the basement. And for some reason he's gonna pee on the crate where the staff is, but the staff flies out and then so Buddy runs upstairs. Staff is like kind of chasing him. Everyone comes home and Courtney sees like, oh the staff is feeling better. And Dr. Midnight's with him. He just like walks in the front door still in costume. I guess it doesn't matter if they have any neighbors that might be looking or anything like that. Then it cuts back four hours ago at the school. Beth and Jenny are walking around. They end up in a cafeteria where there was a fight before. It's kind of taped off. They're looking for any sign of the shade because that's where they detected some there. The ring. um, There's like dark energy that was uh, detected when uh, Jenny made the map of the, the town. Goggles show some residue where Cindy disappeared, and there's like this black liquid, like crawling on on the floor. Jenny's ring kind of looks, you know, gets a reading on it or something like that. And in the ooze, I think it almost looked like it jumped up and attached itself to the ring, um, but I, I don't know if anyone saw that. And then uh, Beth hears, you know, she gets a call on her goggles. She's like, "Courtney's home," and then they they run back. McNighter puts on like a old suit and past like. I have something more comfortable, but he's like, I am comfortable in this. And then he puts on some shades, and they, they work as his goggles. You know, they, they detect things or whatever. So they're they're thinking, you know, Calypso wants power more than anything, and he's vulnerable now because, you know, he didn't have a, a host acting as a shield or diamond, so the, the light hurt him. So, you know, it's like they know that maybe they can get him. Cindy's looking around the house and sees Courtney hugging her mom, and then... Um, Then, you know, Courtney sees her, she kind of like pushes back, you know, whatever, you know, separates from her mom. Then she goes up to Cindy's like, if you try anything, and Cindy's like, she's like, the quicker we get rid of Eclipso, the sooner I can leave this armpit of a town. And Courtney's like, the Eclipso you unleashed on a town? And so then Cindy finally admits that, you know, she's like, it was a mistake on her part to unleash the diamond. Beth comes in and hugs Courtney, and Cindy's like, no hug for me. And, and she like looks at her she tells she's like okay dr midnight jr whatever you're calling yourself she's like i'm offering up a truths and you know jenny's um she seems a little off you know she's like a little distant whatever and she says that she's just tired so McNider says that you know it's like it's fine nice to finally meet beth and she kind of giggles or whatever so, Beth says that, you know, they're talking now, you know, they're in another the room. She's like, Oh, I'll return the goggles, not your back. He's like, With Eclipso and a loose, he's like, You should keep them. He's like, Plus, I have another pair, it's like in his pocket. He's like, And they're connected to my incognito glasses. So, she shows him what she found at the school. And he, he says it's like an afterbirth from the portal Eclipso opened. So, they're going to try to analyze her, you know, where Eclipso could be. But it's supposed to take like eight hours or something like that. So they sync up together so they can process it together and it'll take like half the time. And then um she, she's like she calls him Dr. McNighter again. He's like, Well, you can call me Chuck. So Courtney um says that she hates to admit it, but Cindy's right, evil is relative, because she says something like that when it comes to Eclipso. So they need everyone to take on Eclipso. And she wants to convince Yolanda to help. Pat's he says that he's gonna try to get Rick released and see if they can fix the hourglass. And Barbara's like, Where's Mike? and Pat's like he's chasing the lightning so the radio is talking about all the pink craziness happening around town there's giant candy and french fries or whatever Mike's riding his bike looking for thunderbolt he hears a loud crash and he finds like a a giant like double cheeseburger on the ground in someone's lawn there's people looking at it then he sees a bag of newspapers nearby and he looks at the bag it says property of jakeem williams jenny is sitting on courtney's bed and you know, just like kind of weird, just how she's sitting here. Barbara comes in with food and tea, and she's like, "You should be in bed resting." Yolanda walks out of church. Courtney's there. Yolanda's like, "My mom's picking me up," and Courtney's like, "She's like, she's like begging her to talk." She, and you know, Yolanda keeps walking, she, and then she's like, "You're not the only JSA member who's killed someone." And she mentions you know the stuff that happened, and she's like, "You know, Pat was there." It's like, "The first Wildcat, Ted Grant, he made the same mistake. He had to live with all that guilt." And Yolanda's like, why are you telling me this? And she's like, to let you know that you're not alone. You know, I'm your best friend. You know, JSA isn't the same without you. And she's like, I'm not the same. And she's like, in less than four hours, Beth will lock in on Eclipso's hiding place. She's like, we need you. She's like, we need you bad. And Yolanda tells Courtney, she's like, and you thought telling me all this would magically make me feel better? She's like, all it's doing is making me feel worse. And she's like, I will never put that costume on again. It's like, it's a costume of a murderer twice now. And Cindy's meanwhile, she's watching um, from across the street. And it almost looks like she feels bad or something like that, which is weird. Rick's uncle's lying in the hospital. Pat knocks on the door. He's like, he says that he's one of Rick's friends. He's like, you know, your nephew is a good friend and you know, he's a good person. And I think deep down you know that too. He's like, you know, Rick made a mistake, but he's like, I know that he's truly sorry and so pat's like i'm asking you to please drop the charges he's like something like this it could ruin his life before it even gets started And he's like it might not make sense but everyone in his town could suffer if rick doesn't you know get his forgiveness so uncle grabs a pen and he writes on on a paper because i guess he can't talk because whatever his injuries he so he writes go to hell and he like underlined it so pat stares at him he's like rick's parents asked you to look out for him he's like but you did the opposite didn't you and then he kind of sits down. He's like, you actually got a talent. You, you, you know that? You really do. It's for finding people who are weaker than you are and taking advantage of them. He's like, whether it's, it's a kid, some waitress, or your own nephew. It's like, you're a bad guy. He's like, whenever I ran into someone like you when I was growing up, and he gets up, he like locks the door to the, the hospital room. He's like, back in the army or today makes me remember something about myself. And he like closes the blind. He's like, I got some bad in me too so pat's about to like whoop, open the can of whoop ass on him more update on the giant food mike's still riding around then he finds jakeem he's asked where thunderbolt is and jakeem's like how do you know about him so mike tells him about what happened and he's like where is he and jakeem's like well i was still hungry and i wish i had chinese food and mike calls him an idiot he's like he probably went to china and he's like that was like three or four hours ago mike says that they need him back right now and jakeem's like why and Mike's like, Have you ever heard of the Justice Society of America? And Jakeem's like, Is it like the Boy Scouts? He's like, I'm really bad at tying knots. Barbara hears something and it's like a shadow goes by. It's like, Was that shade? Um, Courtney walks in the back door and she's like, Yolanda's not coming back. And then Courtney's like, He's like, You know, she's like, I don't want there to be anything between us. And Barbara's like, Starts saying, she's like, Well, you know, Pat and I, you know, we didn't tell you about the JSA. And Courtney's like, No, no, she's like, I'm, I'm past that. She's like, when I was in the Shadowlands, she's like, I saw you. She's like, and um, you said some things that I can't really unhear. And Barbara's like, well, whatever it was, it wasn't me. And she's like, yeah, I know it was a Calypso. And then she's like, was it hard raising me alone? And Barbara's like, you know, sure, yeah, at times. She's like, but there's nothing that I wouldn't have done for you. And Courtney's like, but you could have had a career. And she's like, I have one. And Courtney's like, but you could have had more. And Barbara's like, you know, nothing compares to what you bring. And she's like, she's like I, I know Eclipso needs to be stopped, and you're the one to do it. Courtney's like, well, I can't do it alone. She's like, and I miss my best friend. And then Yolanda's in a room. She's looking at, like, a, a school book, and there's a note inside, and it says, I can't do this alone. And there's a star and like, a drawing of a cat. And then she looks in the mirror, and she sees Cindy, like, in her window. And it, like, startles her. Then she's like, I thought you were dead. And Cindy's like, blame Courtney. And then she gets off the windowsill and you know, comes in. Yolanda's like, don't come near me. And Cindy's like, don't flatter yourself. And Yolanda's like, why are you here? And she's like, to tell you not to come back. She's like, we don't need any weak links. And Yolanda's like, we? And she's like, long story short, uh, she's like, you know, I want to get rid of Eclipso so bad. I'm willing to work with Courtney. She's like, we're allies now. Yolanda gets in her face. She's like, you liar. And she's like, no, it's true. And then she's like, Cindy, Cindy says like you know I've known you ever since the first grade she's like you know I admired you I envied you you know I, I never dreamed a straight a poster girl for progress would be the one who's fallen and Cindy sees a like a photo of Henry on her nightstand and she's like oh I see you kept this photo even though he shared yours with everyone and then she's like remember the day you made your acceptance speech for class president and Henry sent out your photo she's like that wasn't him that was me yolanda like almost like snarls like pins her against the wall and then cindy's like there's a fighter i remember and then she's like get out and then um cindy's like that's okay we're done uh mike and jakeem talk about the pen he didn't mean to give it up uh he wished it was in better hands and uh then jakeem's like how exactly are, are my better hands but then he's like it's not just about the pen he's like or jakeem's like you know i haven't had this much fun hanging out with with someone forever. And Mike's like, fine, you can keep the pen, but you have to accept all responsibility. It's like, you have to save the world. And his sister comes in and she's like, you have to do the dishes. And he's like, oh, I'm busy. And she's like, dad, Jaqueline won't do the dishes. Then he's like, fine. Then he asks Mac, uh, Mike, he's like, will you help me do the dishes first? At the police station, Rick comes out. He's released. Pat's waiting across the street to give him a ride. And he's like, my uncle dropped the charges. He's like, why? And Pat's like, no idea. Jump in. So... Pat obviously convinced him. Courtney's talking to staff in the basement. Um, Barbara comes in. She's like, you have a visitor. And Yolanda comes down. And she's like, are you out of your mind? And she's like, maybe. And she's like, Cindy Berman, you asked her to help stop Eclipso? And Courtney's like, well, that's not entirely accurate, but we all need to work together. And she's like, she'll stab you in the back. And you know, she might still be working with Eclipso. And you know, she's like... That's not the case. She's like, remember, the enemy enemy is my friend. Yolanda says that the only reason she's back is to protect everyone from that psycho. She's like, when she's gone, so am I. And she's like, where's my suit? And you can see Courtney's like kind of happy. Like she's trying to hide her joy. Jenny's sleeping. Eclipso is like invading her dream. The creepy kids, you know, Eclipso's there. So it's like her ring is infected maybe. So that's not going to be good. Cindy uh, is standing out on the porch. Courtney opens the door behind her and she's like, what do you want new girl? And she says that, you know, Cindy knew exactly what she doing was doing when she went to see Yolanda. And she's like, yeah. She's like, I read her like a fiddle. And Courtney's like, why? And she's like, what's the matter? And she said that, you know, she's better prepared than Courtney. She already tapped into her dark side. Courtney needs to get ready to be dirty. Just like the old JSA did. And she's like, She's like, "What do you? How do you know about the chase?" Eight? she's like, "I did my research." And she's like, "With Eclipso, you have to fight fire with fire. You have to be bad to defeat evil." So Jenny is dreaming, like everyone's dead. It's like in black and white. the, the ring is still kind of flickering. Rick's reading his old, his dad's old journal, and you know the pieces of the broken hourglass are there. Zeke's working on Stripe. Uh, Mike and Jakim are doing dishes. Yolanda picks up the Wildcat mask. Courtney opens up the staff crate. Uh, Cindy calls someone She's on the phone She's like oh you finally Decided to pick up She's like you all need To come back to Blue Valley So not really sure Who she's calling Like who's left That she could be calling And maybe it's like The other surviving members Of the ISA Who's left Um, Beth and Chuck Are at Barbara's Office building And Beth says that They need a bigger computer Barbara said the ISA Mainframe is there And then suddenly The creepy kid is there He says that he hopes McNider, you know still isn't mad for what he did to his little girl Beth's like you can drop the act like we can see you for what you are and then she says that she sent a trouble alert everyone's coming and a creepy kid eclipse so he's like well that's what i was hoping you do she's like i need everyone here he's like it only works when we're all here he's and he's like finding the darkness within and beth says that she's like within what and he's he's like within courtney whitmore so then jenny's dreaming of everyone in town Stargirl walks by bodies, so it's all in black and white. Then you hear, like, soon I will feed on your entire world and I will become your god. Stargirl, in the dream, where well, she turns around, her eyes are red and her face is kind of like crackly or whatever. And then Jenny sits up. She's like, no. And that's it. Next week is the season finale. So. We'll see what happens. Um, it's been an interesting season. I, I'm enjoying it. It's weird that they're calling it summer school because it has nothing to well, I guess there's some things that happen at school, but hardly anything. So I've been really enjoying this. Um, it's going to be a bummer. Hopefully the third season will happen sooner rather than later, but we'll have to see. Okay. Uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 7, Episode 3. WVRD underscore error underscore 100 not found. So it's supposed to be Wave Rider. It's supposed to be like a computer error program title. Uh, Texas, 1925. Astra, Spooner, and Gideon are out walking. They're trying to find a highway so they can get to New York because they need to get there before the legends do, which it's like they're already headed there on a train, or they were on a train. Uh, they come across another farm. Oh, this is the 100th episode, by the way, so we get all that. They they come across this other farm, Astra and Gideon... Uh, or Astra wants Gideon to steal a rhubarb pipe that, pie that's sitting out on like on the porch because it's her favorite but Gideon she looks at it, she's like it's historically significant it's going to be entered in a contest and blah blah, blah all this stuff like that um, then Gideon goes into a bunch of calculations and stuff and then she like passes out and Spooner can't get a reading and she's like you broke her or something like that so Astra uh, knows a spell that they can go into her mind but they would need her to get out. She's like, she doesn't want to get stuck in there. And Spooner's like, well, I'll go in with you. And, you know, that way they can figure out a way together. So they appear to be on a ship in a temporal zone. And then Jeff, Jefferson Jackson comes in, Jax. And he asks if they're here to help the old girl running, to get get the old girl running again. And they're like, who are you? Or something like that. Vancouver, twenty two thirteen. Uh, there's an Ava... Wakes up the younger Bishop. He's like, today's the day for his Ava clone relaunch. And uh, press investors are already gathering. He's having flashes from his Odessa, Texas 1925 adventure, even though his memory was erased by the legends. Uh, he has visions of lizard people. And he's like, they're like old memories. And he thinks they're tied to a program, Gideon underscore OS. He's like, it's, it's a code from the future. And he has a next-gen hard drive or something like that. And he said it came from his lab coat. He fell asleep on the couch and then this like canister, like metal canister cylinder thing was like in his pocket. Jax clarifies that he's the better looking half of Firestorm and the ship's mechanic, which I never understood that. It's like he worked on cars and then now he can run, he knows how to fix a a spaceship slash time machine. So then as they're talking, he's walk walking around and he has his actual British accent. Because I remember when I, I interviewed him at WonderCon and, you know, that's when I realized that he had such an accent and you can't tell in the show. And, and then like right after I was thinking about that, Spooner's like, oh, I didn't know you were British. He's like, well, I'm not. He's like, this is just how Gideon chooses to remember me for some reason. So it's interesting. They're like, OK, hey, can you come back for the 100th episode and you don't have to put on a fake English, you know, fake American accent? So they, they come across human Gideon sitting in a med chair, she's like unconscious. Jax explains that there are memory things going on or something like that. And if they try waking her without her full memories, it'd be like a factory reset. So Astra sums up that they'll have all their timeline memories, but none of her human annoying personality bits. She's just like, okay, let's do it. But Spooner's like, no. it's like, they only have access to some key memories. So Jax wants to send them into Gideon's head. But they're like, but we're already in Gideon's head, and then so he suggests they start with a recent memory from a year ago. So Spooner sees herself in a, in a the the med chair the night they brought her on, and Gideon is sort of there. But she's like, I don't remember this. And then then she does remember, and then she forms. She's like, she's like now they're at next to Ava. Um, Ava said something that love isn't logical and gideon says that she understands she's like i miss sarah too and then ava thinks her so then the next memory shift they see gideon in the chair and she recognizes them or whatever she says that she remembered the memory because it's when ava taught her to prioritize love over logic or something like that jack's talks some more about some stuff or whatever the next memory gideon's now um shifting with them because they keep like doing this like like as they go into like different memories Ray uh, is there making breakfast. Captain cold comes in, takes, you know, he steals Ray's plate away from him. Hawkeye comes in. He like smashes the, the plate with his mace. He's like, no time for breakfast. He's like, we need to avenge my son's death. Sarah comes in. She's wearing her white outfit, like leathery type thing. So then they're like all arguing and they're about to start like fighting each other. And Gideon says, she's like, oh, I remember these nutters now. And she steps forward and tells them to put their weapons down or she'll open an airlock and blast them out into the temporal zone. Gideon, Mina tells them that she remembers them all now, that they can be rough, but they're her friends, and she asks Jax for another memory. Then we see Martin Stein strolling down the hall humming, and this is when he found out he was a granddad. So he's like singing. No one really wants to hear him sing and stuff like that. So then he asks Gideon to join him. So they're singing, good morning, good morning, you know, whatever that song is. Uh, Gideon's memories start flickering because there's a security breach. So there's a virus in her then in like an evil sort of computer Gideon appears and she's like I'm no virus she's like I'm the one who erased memories to protect you so they they try to leave the room but they, they're locked in there Gideon um, tries thinking of a way out and she pulls some wires under control panels and like shorts something out so she's gonna fly the ship manually so they're, they're flying through and like out in the temporal zone where it's, it's kind of like a storm of memories like different things we see uh, the doors open. Jax runs in. Gideon wonders what the virus meant by wanting to protect her. Jax gives Spooner a gun that could take care of the virus. S- somehow he, he has this gun. So the And he's like, the virus is digging deep now. So to go into another memory, Rip Hunter walks by. Uh, so this is Gideon's first captain, I guess. Uh, Rip tells him that they're on an important mission and uh, they're chosen to save time. But unfortunately, there's only one lavatory on the ship, so there's more fighting. Rip pulls uh, Gideon aside. He says that he's missed her, but he knows that she's been through a lot. But he, um, you know, he's there to help or something like that. But it turns out it's really the virus that's doing it. It tricked her into like the prison thing, the like the, the what force field prison, whatever, in the middle of the room. And uh, the virus says the legends have been a bad influence on her and it wants to remove them. So this younger Bishop, he says that he cracked the code on the software. So then Gideon pops out of the disc thing and she asks where she is and where are the legends. This awakens Bishop's memories. And he's like, the legends are the one who kidnapped me. So it doesn't seem like it'd be that easy. So he copied her program and he wiped her memory. So this is when he was on the ship. He tells Ava that they used him and then tried to wipe his memories. So he wants Gideon to tell him where they are. And she's like, I'm not telling you anything. And he's like, I cracked your code once. He's like, I'll do it again. So the ledges are still fighting after they found out there's only one bathroom. Astra asks Gideon why she chose this memory. And then they realize that she's not there because, you know, she's in a prison in the other room or the force field thing. Then all the legend memories start stop fighting and they're looking at Astra and Spooner. And Astra tells Jax that it's like we're gonna need a jump, you know, it just says Hawkman swings his mace at them. Because they they before the memories weren't seeing them, but now they see them. So they shift and they almost attack Jax and he says that the virus got in Gideon's head, so it's not just erasing them, it's it's corrupting the memories. Okay. Gideon talks to the virus, says that, you know, she doesn't want to be her or something like that, the virus asks what she remembers about Berard. And Gideon like, says that she took, or he took care of her and she fabricated snacks for him. Then the virus asks, what do you remember when he was murdered? And she's like, I don't wanna think about that. And the virus is like, well, you know, you don't wanna lose memories, but you know, you can't just ignore, you know, some of them. And she's like, you know, as, as hard as that memory was, it didn't compare to when Zari found out. So the virus is feeding her other memories and, Rip is going to go see his wife and son, uh, Martin dying, Captain Cold's sacrifice. There's a lot more stuff. So the virus says that all the misery and pain she's feeling, she can make it go away. And Gideon gets up. She's like, no. She's like, the legends taught me humanity. And the virus wants to show her. She's like, oh, let me show you one more memory. So Rip talks to Gideon. She wants to um, get rid of the legends after her reaction to the lavatory thing and he's going to give her a new protocol so to protect history but also to protect the legends to accept them to learn from them to adapt to their needs so the virus says that humanity that she's so proud of was just a program gideon didn't involve that you know she was corrupted she was just reprogrammed that way so jacks astra and spooner are trying to find gideon the virus has entered her subconscious spooner and astra are going to go after her there's going to be other dangers and then Berard and Zari show up to stop them. Jax comes at them, like behind them, and zaps them. They snap to it, and then they tell Astra and Spooner that Gideon needs them. So then they find Nate and Zari, the other Zari. So they fight another Zap. Then Sarah and Ava, they fight. The virus says that um, they never accepted her as one of their own, but she does. So they come in, and Spooner shoots the virus. Jax says the virus is still on the ship, but Gideon says you know she doesn't want to be her. She doesn't want to be human, you know. Spooner's like, it's overwhelming, but it's worth it. And she's like, how how can it be worth it? And then they see the legends making a Christmas dinner. They're celebrating all holidays at once. Um, then there's like another memory of a book club, another memory of karaoke. And so then Gideon takes a gun from Spooner, and she's like, "I know what what needs to be done." The virus tells Gideon whatever they told her. They're the enemy. She says, "Like no, they're not the threat." The virus. Asked if she's just going to shoot her then, and Gideon's like, "No, because you're not my enemy either." The virus doesn't understand and says that you know because she's just an algorithm and closed code or something like that. So there's there's so much that she can't understand, but she's a part of her. So they're going to coexist, but Gideon is going to go and steer the ship. Like you know she's going to run things. The virus says that you know she won't know what to do, and she says that you know she'll figure it out. She sees Rip and he says that you know, she won't be doing it alone. All the legends talk and are giving her advice as she's like walking down the hall, whatever. And they tell her like what it means to be alive and to be a legend. And Sarah welcomes her to the team. And then there's just like a panning shot of like all the legends standing in the hallway. So again, to celebrate the 100th episode, here's everyone who was on the show. Back in uh, at the barn in reality, Gideon says that they saved her and they're like, that's what legends do. So then the other Gideon tells Bishop that he may have cracked her code, but it's only a matter of time until her friends save her. Then he yells that she can't have friends because she's only a computer. Then he realizes that uh, she has a protocol which could still be reset. So he finds it, he digs in a program, and then he's going to return her to factory setting. So he says that they're going to eliminate all the threats to the timeline. So now he has access to... Gideon, without all the human stuff, so it's not going to be good for the legends. So uh, as far as like being a hundredth episode, it seemed a, a little weird. It wasn't quite. I don't know. I mean, because you know, it wasn't like a huge focus on on the main story. It's almost like I mean, it was kind of getting there. I don't know. So it just felt like the only main characters that we really had were was like Gideon and then everyone else it's just whatever you know little roles so I don't know but I mean it, it was a okay episode okay doom patrol season three episode eight subconscious patrol so there's a bunch of like faces with wings like on a wire outside the house cyborgs in a candy store like a toy store or something like that he sees his dad there so it's a memory of when he was a kid he's looking at these action figures and there's a lot of this, like, El Blanco figure, which is, like, a white dude. And then he so he takes him, he's just, like, dropping them on the floor. But they're, like, in plastic cases or something like that. And uh, the, so he's trying to look for the one that he wants. The store owner grabs him by the arm and calls for security. Silas comes in, he's like, why are you grabbing my son? And he's like, he's damaging, you know, property or whatever, like, product or store stuff. Then Silas says he's just looking for a toy. And he sees uh, the figure's on the floor and he asks Victor what's going on. And he's like, I was just looking for some black superhero toys. And uh, the store guy, I guess he's a store owner. He's like, we don't carry su- black superhero toys. And then Victor's like, why not? And he's like, no one buys black superhero toys. Then Silas, he's like, you know, he wants to talk to Victor alone. And he, Victor's like, I was looking for a black superhero. And he's like, he says that you know, he made a mistake. And Silas like, we don't get to make mistakes. He's like, one mistake could cost you your life. So Silas, they go back, and he finds this, like, general Tony figure. He's black. So he tells him, he's like, clean up this mess. He's like, I'm going to go apologize to the store owner. Then a a face bird comes, and Victor ends up in the package of the action figure, (laughs) or the general Tony figure. Jane is sitting, is is singing the alphabet song with a bunch of Muppets on a sofa, and the other Muppets are, like, the different personas. And then a Jane Muppet comes in, and she's like, WTF? When they're like, hi, Jane. So the, the real Jane is really Kay that's sitting on the sofa, and the restaurant of Muppets. And so Jane Muppet, she's like, where am I, whatever. And then um, Kay's like, you're on Underground Avenue. And then she's like, look, and Harry, the stuffed lamb that we rescued from the well is, is here or something like that. And he's like, this is Kay's imaginary world. She's all grown up and perfect. And then Kay says that Jane is just in time for the lesson of the day, which I think was, she's like, does anyone know what trauma is? So then they all raise their hand and she calls on Dr. Harrison. But then a face bird or Dada bird as the puppet Jane calls it, lands on Kay's shoulder and then they disappear. And then they're like, adult Kay's gone or something like that. And Hammerhead puppets like ask Jane, she's like, WTF, are we going to do now? then it cuts to steel racing garage robot man walks up he's like wondering what he's doing there then he sees cliff steel like human cliff like uh, brendan frazier and they're both like wtf WTF. And they're like over and over again there's like cursing and then uh the the cliff version says like he's like honestly he's like you're in a memory and you're subconscious and he's like you look worse than i thought and robot man's like that's your hello and he tells cliff he's like well you look effing awesome. He's like, okay. And then he tells them, he's like, bro, moisturizer and robot, man. And he's like, oh, I love moisturizer. he's like, what is, he's like, why this memory? So there's like this party inside and this guy's like, hey, come on, man. We're about to start. And then uh, the face guy or face bird or whatever sits on Cliff's shoulder and they disappear. So the guy inside asks robot man if he's coming. And so robot man, Cliff goes inside. Then we see Larry's in a church. He walks in this room. He sees himself in a black, in a, in a tux, like in in a back room. Tux Larry asks him. He's like, "Why are you he- or why are you here?" And then he's like, "He's like, if you're here to change things, you can't. It just repeats itself over and over and over again." A face bird comes in and lands on a desk. and Larry looks. Um, there's like this good luck letter, you know, next to it, whatever. So Tux Larry walks through the door, and he's in the living room. Adult K, General Tony, and Human Cliff are there too. There's a, there's a little kid on the news talking about the fog rolling in and all kinds of creatures are out, so he's scared. General Tony asks if anyone has an explanation for this. Then Rita comes in to explain. She says that they are subconscious beings, so they haven't had the pleasure of meeting her. She introduces herself as Rita Farr. And she's like, and I'm not a sub. She's not a, you know, from a subconscious. And she's like, secondly, she's like, I've taken a trip into the past. And since my return, I've worked with the sisterhood of Dada to create the global phenomenon that they're experiencing, the eternal flagellation. So the sister of Dada's artistic experience that is going to bring the world to its knees. They're all like confused. So she breaks it down. She's like, everyone in the world has swapped places with their subconscious selves. And Tux Larry's like, why? And she says, then nobody will be able to hide who they really are anymore. And that will rid the world of evil. She's like, and, and it's art. So their their conscious selves are in their place. And so like he's like, So they're reliving the same the shame that they've suffered through over and over again, unless they have a breakthrough. So Tux Larry's like, They're gonna stew in their own poop? He's like, That sounds evil and she's like, No. And she's like, says some. She's like, pretentious maybe, but not evil. And she's like, evil is Madame Rouge. And she's like, we're gonna get her or something like that. Then human close, like, are we flagellating or are we getting revenge? And she's like, well, they're flagellating. She's like, I'm getting mine. She's gonna get her revenge. So then we see the Brotherhood of Evil, 1949. Rita's crawling through like an air duct. Uh, the Brain and Monsieur Mala are there, and then Laura's like in a room with them. brain says that he was telling Mala that he was shocked the Bureau cut someone like her loose. And now she's there, you know, blackballed by Niles Calder, no less. So she was, um, filled in on the plan. The brotherhood is looking for a human Guinea pig to travel to the year 2021 in a time machine. They reverse engineered from a drawing that they drew 30 years ago, then steal Niles Calder's inventions and bring them back there to 1949 so they can invent them before he does steal his dreams and rule the world. And, and then Brain's like, her accent is so evil. And brains asks about her name. He's like, nobody, DeMille. He's like, how attached are you to that name? So I guess, uh, I think it was Monsieur Mala had, was thinking Madame Rouge or something like that. And they're like, well, what do you say? And she's like, I think you had me at F. Niles Calder. So the real Larry is uh, sitting in a church room. He's like, this is crazy. He's, he's like, I don't have to do this. He's like, it's a memory. Then his mom comes in and stares at where he's supposed to be and she's like you're gonna have to go through this everyone is waiting for you she's like leave your sins in the past you know make a break from all the immoral things you've done etc etc you know put the lord first larry and then the real larry's like but it's not the past he's like i'm gay She's like can't you love me for who i am and she's like in my heart she's like i know you don't want to bring shame to my heart and she takes off her ring. She's like, here, for Cheryl. She's like, my gift to both of you. And Larry's like, you've always, or he's like, I've always been invisible to you. He's like, see me, listen to me. He's like, this is not who I was born to me. He's like, can't you hear me? So there's some like heavy topics in this episode, which is is really cool. So then um, I think it was a pretty Polly Muppet. She's like crying, you know, says that she looked everywhere. Kay's gone. They wonder if maybe she got better. And Jane just says, you know, calm down. You know, maybe I should talk about um, something more uplifting. And then pretty Polly's nose falls off, so then Jane Muppet, like, puts it back on her. She's like, I fixed it. She's like, we can fix this, or I can fix this. And then um, Henry, was it Henry, the lamb, says that he's the only one who knows that, you know, she tells her her real feelings to, and then then um, they end up brutally beating up the lamb, and there's, like, red yarn and everything, they're, like, holding up his head, so it's, like, really brutal for, for puppets. Then we see young Vic. He's cleaning up the toys in his room. He looks at the General Tony. He's still in the package, and he's he's like, "Dad was right." He's like, "I have to be strong." And then Cyborg tells him, "You know, he was scared, and you know, so he's not really hearing this." He's like, "Nobody told you that you could be scared." He's like, "You're a child. It's okay to make mistakes." He's like, "You know, please hear me." He's like, "I need you to hear me." General Tony says that Madame Rouge getting kicked out of the Bureau and joining the Brotherhood sounds like a bad comic book. And then Human Cliff's like. This isn't what we do. He's like, we don't clean up messes. You know, he's like, I make them. And Rita says that her real cells or their, their real selves were lazy and all this stuff like that. And, but they had spunk. She's like, they protected the little guy. So she's trying to like psych them up. Then finally she's like, fine. She's like, you can go through to flagellation and you can all put their poop on display for everyone to see. She's like, who's going first? And then they, they all get up and then they, they go out with Rita. Cause they don't want to talk about their, their personal, whatever. 1949, Madame Rouge goes to the Dada room, and then Rita's there, and she's like, "It's like, oh, are you going on a trip? Because she's wearing, like, the, the overall jump-through suit thing whatever. And she's like, to the future. And she says that she's using her time travel machine or some facsimile of it. So her mission will actually do something. And Rita's like, what happened to you? She's like, you used to have a moral core. And Madame Rouge says, like, for 30 years, she had one duty – she decided who was a weapon and who wasn't to the end. And Rita says to Malcolm's end, and and she's like, and they still tossed your ass out. And Rouge's like, yeah. She's like, I'm gonna go see a man about that. So Rita calls BS. She's like, you betrayed every friend you ever had. Too much power is never enough for you. She's like, you love playing god with those sweet boys and the gods that the, the gods she sent off to play war or whatever. She loved lording that power over to sisterhood until she discovered that she loved bringing it down even more she's like this is all you ever were and she's like now you've lost every friend you've ever had madame rouge is like wow that was bracing she says you know it could probably be true and then she asks if she thought it's like did you think that they really could change the world with a jangly hat made out of serving utensils so then another um, word poem, you know, write another word poem, you know, st- stick it to the man. So she goes on about how art is BS. And Rita says that, you know, she landed in the field 30 years ago with no memory. Art saved her life. And Madame Rouge just keeps pushing, saying that, you know, she's spineless like her friends. Or maybe the memory that she can't remember is she's evil just like her. Rita, you know, she's going on. Rita flying, like stretches across and grabs her by the throat. And then... Um, madame rouge kind of shape changes into malcolm and then rita's arm just like flops down on the floor so rouge as malcolm says that she did feel it was appropriate to say goodbye she's like after all you are one of my one of the best friends i've ever known so rita and the subs are walking through the woods in the present and there's like like statues and you know benches and stuff like that so they're not like in the outskirts they're still on the property and then the others turn around and go back because there's like this bike rolls by it was like bubbles on it and it's like singing or something like that they're like what is that and they just like turn around and leave so then we see robot man inside the garage he so this is like the real one like in the memory he's standing next to a guy who's been hooking up with his wife and he's like saying stuff but the memory can't hear him because you know he's not part of the memory and he's like you know cliff is the best friend he's ever had you know He's like, despite Cliff mentioning him, and, you know, his wife, he's just, he's not hearing it. He's like, we have a surprise for you. And so they bring out this big cake in the shape of a car and a woman pops out, out, of, out of it. And they tell him the, the get some since he's the man. Inside the, the study at the house, uh, General Tony built a tent out of sheets. Cliff got like provisions, but it was just like chips and beer for, him, for me. He's like, you just got food for you or provisions for yourself. And he's like, the chips are family size so tux larry um wonders if the sisterhood is right you know should they know why or then he's like you know should, should we know why there's a, or there's a general Tony in big subconscious whatever in the bureau of normalcy normalcy in 1949 rita sneaks in to where her time machine is as she goes forward uh in in time her old memories start coming back along with the shame and insecurity she had before and I was like, who's narrating this? It was weird because then someone's like, what well, would become of the new old memories? And what about the memories of Malcolm? It turns out that uh, we, we see things. It, it When uh, Rita was at the lodge, lodge, and she goes outside, and then it looked like Madame Rouge was there, but it was really Rita. So it turns out it really was Rita who pushed her back because she wanted to make sure that things progressed the way they were supposed to. So she was supposed to stay in there, so she eventually... Go back, go into time machine, go into the past. So she want to make sure she has this life with Malcolm. So the subs are just sitting in a fort. Kay wonders if they should talk it out, like Larry said. Cliff and General Tony would rather not. Ticks Tux. Larry <laughs> says that they, you know, maybe they have a duty, you know, duty to their conscious self, so they can live a better life, and you because know, they're they're stuck because of them. And you know, life is about duty, about what and who you serve. But no one really wants to talk. So Robot Man is happy that he's gonna finally get something good. Um, the woman says that she's like, Oh, you must be the one in charge since you know all this is for you. And she's like the Camaro outside, it's like there's a little girl in the back seat. Then he gets up. He's like, No, no, he's like, not my problem, not anymore. And um, he says that you know he doesn't want any part of this trip down memory lane anymore. He starts walking into the other area and like the weird, there's like the weird spiral thing that's opened up by the cake. And he's like, that's from that weird lady with the gas mask. And then he, like, jumped into it. So Larry hears Cliff calling him at the church. Cliff comes in, and he asks Larry if he wants out. And then he's like, well, how are we going to get out? And there's, he's like, through that spiral thingy. So there's another one appearing there. Back in the fort, Kay says that um, she doesn't have a duty to anyone. And General Tony says that duty is all he has. And it feels weird saying duty so many times. He says that you know he watched little Vic honor his father's memory more than himself. And, you know, Cliff wants to avoid that. You know, he doesn't want to, want to talk about anything. General Tony asks him, he's like, are you just going to party forever? And then he's like, no, because I'm dying. And he starts uh, talking about how he was a redneck. He was dirt poor. He had nothing. Then he found racing. It was his ticket out of hell. You know, he didn't know what to do. You know, he's just getting all the stuff. He didn't know what to do. He's just started drinking and spending time with women to hide, you know, to hide the fact that he felt he didn't deserve any of it. He was a king at a racetrack, but he was empty inside. And and he's like, but this king decapitated his wife. And he's like sobbing. But then he's like, but joke's on me. He's like Parkinson has me now and I'm deteriorating. And the others are like, Whoa. So he just like did all this like open, you know, and they're like, wow. So then we see Little Vic sitting in his room. Larry and Cliff walk in looking for their for Cyborg. And Cyborg calls him over for an action figure package. And then Cyborg takes something out of his pocket, like kind of busts through the package. He's like, Give this to him, for, you know, before they leave. So it was a rock from his mom's hike. And then uh, Larry just puts it on, on a nightstand. And then they jump through the portal. At the underground Muppet World, Larry, Cliff, and Cyborg just bust through the wall. Cliff laughs and he picks up Puppet Jane. And uh, they jump through the portal. And then the others say, There goes Jane leaving us with the mess again. And Dr. Harrison's like, No, not again. Never again. So now they're like in the cake the car, but it's like the, the car is like kind of flying through like 60s psychedelic animation. And they, they make it to Niles house and they enter the fort. The others say, hello. And they, they kind of start talking. Tux Larry asks, Larry's like, did you see mom? And he says that he did, but he changed the script. He said what he should have said. Tux Larry's like, are you blaming me? And Larry's like, no, but you know, you could have done things differently. Tux Larry asks him if he knows what it feels like to be the worst memory. And Larry says like, no, she's like, there's worse ones. So then why is Tux Larry there? And Larry says that he represents the day he started lying to himself. And Tux Larry's like, well, I have news for you. He's like, I'm from the day that you hid from love. And he's like, that's why you secretly like those bandages. It gives you an excuse to keep people away. He's like, you're afraid that, you know, you don't know how to love. You think that you're not worthy of it. So Larry sighs and Tucks Larry says that, you know, he lives that memory every moment of his life. He's like, you know, can he make it worth living through? And then a a bandaged like face bird flies onto Larry's shoulder. So they, they take kind of each other's hands and Larry's like, Well, I can try. And then Tucks Larry disappears. And Robot Man, he's like, Okay, that was beautiful. Show's over. And Cliff's like, he's like, is it? So Robot Man asks, What what does he really want to spill? Or does he really want to spill his guts? And Cliff asks if they want to know what he lives with every single day. From dusk until dawn, he leaves his daughter in a car so he can do some blow and cozy up to a stripper. And he's like, F you to fatherhood because fatherhood doesn't make you know him feel special. As a dad, he's just part of the wallpaper. And Kay asks, she's like, you left your daughter in a car so you could party? And Robot Cliff, Robot Man Cliff, he sa- says that he didn't sign up for this. He's like, you know, why did he have to stop living? Because he stuck his wiener in a hole. So he's like, I just want to feel special too. Then Human Cliffs is like, you know, at some point the party's got to stop. He's like, you're doing the same stuff that you did in 1984. He's like, you're hopped up on Parkinson's meds and you're selling their stuff on eBay. He's like, and you're blowing it with, with Claire and, and Rory. He's like, is it worth it? And it's just like silence. And he's like, answer me. He's like, is it worth it? And he's like, F you. And he's like, F you too. F you. F, F, F all of you. and then a robot face bird flies on robot man's shoulder human cliffs is like dude and then he disappears cyborg says that this stuff is crazy and he pops up general tony tries going after him so cyborg says that he's fine general tony says that on that day in the memory he saw vic go from a 10 year old straight to a soldier fighting to please everyone always saying the right things never make a mistake he became perfect but he lost something very important and Vic kind of sniffs. He's like, my childhood. He's like, I never get that back. General Tony says, but he can make his own choices now. He can have some fun. He can find his happiness. He can play. He's like, and then take back what was taken from him. He says, he's like, this is crazy. He's like, why am I listening to something that, you know, I didn't even want? He's like, I didn't want a soldier. He's like, I was a kid. Cyborg, uh, a cyborg face bird lands on his shoulder, and General Tony disappears. In the fort, Papa Jane tells Kay that harry said that she didn't want them anymore and she asked why did they say what she's like what did i say the lesson a day was and jane's like seriously you want to do a lesson a day now and Kay's like yes jane just causes her more trauma you know everything she does brings her more pain so it's time for her to grow up and be on her own and jane's like no she's like you can't survive without me and Kay's like well i'd like to try and jane's like no 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 like over and over and then Kay takes a deep breath she's like I wish you would die and a bird face flies in but lands on a table and then Kay disappears and Jane starts like, screaming out and like throwing pillows and like tearing the fort down. So the others like get out of the fort and then you know eventually everything's you know all taken apart so Jane crawls out of the blanket and Vic's like is it over and Larry's like I think so he's like the fog is lifting. So Cliff says that he thinks they can all agree that whatever happens in eternal flagellation stays in eternal flagellation and then they all disappear. So Cliff is back in the, the garage and like in front of Clara's laptop and Ginger's asking him if he wants to talk about parenting or then he closes the laptop because Clara's in there like standing behind him. And she's like, I don't know what's going on with you, dad, but this isn't working anymore. And then Cliff just sits there Then he's like, I know. And then she leaves. So Jane's in the underground and it's empty. She's calling out, hello, hello. And then Kay walks up with Harry, the the lamb. And Jane's like, I know things were said and I hear you. She's like, we're going to work this out, all of us. And Kay's like, they're all gone. And Jane's confused. Larry walks her to woods. He finds a bag where he left that space parasite. It's still there. He picks it up and he like wraps it in his jacket. Silas is standing over Victor on an operating table. And he's like, you awake? So Vic is his cyborg parts are gone. So he has, like, the synth skin, whatever, the fake skin. So it's, like, no cyborg parts on him. The fog recedes. Rita walks through the woods, and she hears a twig snap. And then Madame Rouge is standing behind her. So she turns around, and they just, like, face each other. And that's where the episode ends. So, um, like I said, pretty heavy episode. You know, a lot of big topics. So, like, like the stuff with, with Vic, like what Silas said to him as a kid, I mean, that's heavy-duty stuff. And unfortunately, that's how it is. And just like all of them, like coming to face with their, 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 mistakes or their regrets or whatever, and just admitting it. So it's kind of, kind of heavy duty stuff. So this, this show, I mean, it's weird and wacky, but this is kind of taking things to like a different level. So that was, that was, that was something. All right. So now lock and key season two, I only was able to watch five episodes last weekend. When the, the first weekend it came out and i have not been able to watch a single episode since with you know with doing statistics with my daughter um, she's taken an online course which is basically like no instruction which is insane so you know we're working on today so i'm in, and i'm going over with it and teaching her reading all the comics watching the other shows there's just like so much poor excuse but it, it's i mean i'm i'm invested in a show i want to watch it but it gets a point where I hate, I hate the feeling because it feels like it's more of a chore and I'm, I'm not really enjoying it. And again, I know boohoo, Tony, you know, you don't have to do this, but I feel like I have to, you know, for the sake of the show and, and to cover it. I want to cover it. I want to support the show and everything, but also watching it. I, I don't know if it has anything to do with that feeling like I'm where I'm forced to watch the entire show at once in order to stay relevant because if I break it down it's like if someone watches it the first weekend it's like why am I going to talk about it like three weeks later when it's like old news but I know it doesn't have to be that way also part of the thing is it's it's like the show's kind of like so far nothing is really happening I mean there there's a the little thing you know the story's progressing but Dodge who's in a um, and now in Gabe's body or whatever, like in, is, is Gabe. I don't, I mean, Gabe's kind of annoying and you know, it's Gabe, all Gabe wants is, you know, get the keys and everything like that, get the keys back, but they can't, you know, that the keys belong to the locks. So they just can't take them. And then there's just like the other, just drama and stuff going on with the show. So it starts off. Uh, so I'm going to try to try to skim through the, the first five episodes. It starts off in nineteen or not nineteen seventeen seventy five. Some like redcoat soldiers are searching the caves and they like, touch a rock and the rocks crumble and it's like the Omega door is there. And then like the gold bullets shoot out. Like uh, one hits a wall and the dude picks it up when it stops glowing. So it's like these like little bullets. They're being followed. Um, so they plan on shooting the other guys and one uh, one redcoat stands up gets hit in the throat with the bullet and he turns around and he lets out like the demonic growl and the other guys try shooting him, but there's no effect. And then he starts like taking them down. He gets shot again and he falls into the doorway. And in the first red coat looks at the bullet that he picked up. And then he stands and, like spreads his arm. Then he gets like shot in the chest and then his eyes go black. And he has like, like a demon face or something. So Gabe and Eden. So Eden is, is not who she is or whatever. Um, they're outside the Omega door looking for lead. And then Gabe finds a lead bullet. Two Coast Guards come in. They're like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be here because of tide. And then Eden puts on the crown of shadows and then crawls out and attacks them in. So Kinsey is on a little swan boat drawing. And then she gets out and walks water. So she's using the head key. She's like just in her mind, whatever. And then Tyler asks if he could use it. And she's like, well, can I have the mending key? So, you know, they, they're just like interchanging all these keys. Mom hears some thudding and she's wondering if it's Bodhi. So he's trying to get a couch out of her room and he's able to lift it like it's nothing. And he says that he found a new key called the Hercules key. And she can't remember anything about the keys because adults can't remember anything about uh, magic. So in moments, she's forgotten all about him mentioning finding the key and moving the couch. Kinsey um, is, pu- is putting up flyers for the, the lobster monster movie. Gabe comes up in a in costume and, like, kisses her, and she wants to put a flyer up in the ice cream shop store so they could say hi to Scott, and Gabe's like, oh, Scott quit. You know, he's busy finishing the movie, and she's like, oh, okay. She's like, well, I'll just go in, you know, put, put a flyer in there anyways, and you can see Gabe is a, a little bothered by this. You know, like, almost like he's kind of jealous, even though Gabe isn't really Gabe. Gabe is Dodge. So then we see Tyler with Jackie, you know, looking at colleges online, you know, he wants to do other stuff instead. So they use the head key so she, she can do her summer reading and, you know, cause she's like, she has to read this. So he just puts a book in her mind and now they can enjoy their summer. Um, Detective Daniel comes over with, with garden tomatoes from his garden. He talks to the mom and um, they still haven't found Ellie Rufus's mom. Bodhi he hears and um, he walks in, and hears him talking. So he runs upstairs. He's like upset. He uses a Hercules key. Starts slamming the couch through the doorway again, and actually splinters a the frame. Then he wonders like what all the stuff is around. He's like moving stuff. He finds like his giant skull of something like on top of the armoire. Gabe and Eden are at school. Gabe starts um, heating up a bullet, and then later, Bodhi's showing Kinsey and, and Tyler the skull. The, he's like this is a giant rat skull and. Then he, like, mentions Ellie and says that, you know, there, there's so much that they don't know. Then the doorbell rings, so Uncle Duncan is over. And it's weird. It's like then suddenly, like, Uncle Duncan is moving into the house. It's like, I, I don't remember. Did they decide that at the end of the season? or? But he's, like, there now. So Eden and and Gabe, they go to this house in the woods. This dude comes out with a shotgun. He's like, oh, did you see the trespassing signs? And Gabe's like, oh, no, where do people take the place? And he's like, so get your crap and go. And he threatens to shoot them. But Gabe has a shovel, and he knocks the shotgun out of his hand. Then he keeps hitting him, and he tells Eden to bury him. So he, like, kills him. And she wonders if there's a way around the fact that demons can't take keys from the lock kids. And she wonders if, if she can turn into Kinsey. And Gabe's like, give it a shot. And he gives her a key, but it doesn't work. So Gabe takes a key, turns into Dodge, and tells her that you can't use identity key to turn into a real person. It can only be used to create a brand new person. So she says that she turned into Lucas, and then Gabe and then uh, Dodge like, no one will suspect a, a a nerdy kid in love with Kinsey or something like that. And Eden's like, well, you're pretty good at pretending that. And Dodge says like, you know, I brought you here. So I was like, I can get rid of you anytime. So then they're going to do the movie premiere, which is weird because they said that Scott was still working on the movie. So I guess it's like last minute work on it. Scott's by the door. So you can see he, he still likes Kinsey and she comes up. Then Gabe comes up. So then they take pictures of the cast or whatever. And she kind of like looks at, at Scott this girl, Abby, comes up to Kinsey. She's like, Oh, I'm, I'm fangirling here. And she's like, You kicked ass in a Ripley way, but with better wardrobe. And then she's like, She's confused. She's like, But no one's watched the movie. And she's like, No, I worked on a, on a music with Scott all summer. So now Kinsey's getting a little jealous. So the theater is pretty packed. Um, we see like this dude throws like a toxic barrel in the water. Lobster monster comes out. It looks way too high quality for being low budget. So, and I, I guess their reason is because they used the keys, they used magic. So somehow they made like a professional looking movie. Eden's bored and hungry. You know, she goes out to get food, you know, she, she or to, to, from the concession stand. Um, the concession dude's kind of flirting with her. And then he says that he likes her body. Um, Gabe um, keeps like looking back. And then Eden, uh, you know, he's in a the theater like wondering if, where, where, whatever, where she's at. Eden grabs a guy and he starts kissing and then she chomps on his lips. So Gabe tells Kinsey he has to go to the bathroom and he finds Eden behind a concession. She's like all bloody. And he yells at her. The movie's almost over. I have to clean up the mess. Bodie like spills something in a the theater. So Nina's going to go get napkins. It's like, you, you can wait. Um, then she sees Gabe and Eden like dragging a body and she gets confused. And then he comes out he says that he was in the bathroom. So there's an after party at the beach. Kinsey k- keeps looking for Scott gabe um dodge is look, like looking yells at eden about almost ruining everything and then she he, um, he keeps saying i instead of we about their plans or whatever he grabs her right of the throat and threatens her and he says that you know he's an echo and can't die but she can then kinsey finds him and he says he's not feeling well and he's gonna go home so tyler mentions the key the jackie and she doesn't know what he's talking about even though he just used a key to start a fire or something like that. So she's starting to forget things because she's getting there. One of the things that's happening is she's going to turn 18 in a couple weeks. So they know that adults forget magic, but now they're seeing it happen. So um, Scott finds Kinsey, you know, he wants to talk to her, you know, he he said he applied for kicks at a filmmaking Academy. Um, It's down between him and another, but, uh, it's not college, it's a boarding school in England. So if he gets in, he'll be leaving in a few weeks. So then later, Lindsay uses the head key to go to the boat on the lake. She's looking at, you know, pictures on her Instagram and she sees Scott. Then he appears in another boat and she's like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, it's your head. And then he, uh, she comes out and Tyler wants to talk to her, he wants to talk about Jackie. He says that like the look in her eyes is the same that mom has. So he's like, you know, we knew adults couldn't remember magic, but we didn't know when it started. And so uh, Jackie's going to be 18 in three weeks, um, but Tyler's going to be 18 in a few months. So then he's going to forget everything. And then we see Gabe and Eden are at the place in the woods. He's like melting stuff. He has a mold, so he's making a new key. A lot of this is about making the key and trying to find it. And um, it's just, I don't know. There's there's a new teacher at the school, you know, history teacher. Um, Nina gets a job like re, um, working, remodeling like the or pre- preserving, re- re- whatever, renovating the, the drama room. And uh, there's a history teacher there, which they, they start liking each other. Gabe makes a new friend, and it turns out that the girl is a history teacher's daughter. And at one point, uh, I think it was in the third episode, the the history teacher has like a, a model of the house, and there, there's like this other key there's like, it's a tiny little key. And I think Bodie ends up finding it and it fits. And it's, it's when you open, take the lights turn on when you turn the key and you can see when you take off the roof and look inside the house, you can, they see like Tyler in his bedroom on their, on a bed. So that's why there was a, a rat skull in there is a real one. So at one point there's like a giant spider is in there, uh, like attacks them. Um, uh, so I don't know if I'm going to go through the rest of the episodes on on the show. Because, like, you know, one thing, this episode is already getting long enough. And um, it just, I I don't know. I mean... It seems like they're, 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 they're mixing in the drama with the kids, you know, like stuff with Eden, you know, being bored. There's, like, the love, like, Dodge as Dodge as Gabe. It's almost like Dodge has actually feelings for Kinsey because she's, like, really jealous about what's going on, even though, you know, she just wants the key. And then, you know, part of it is, like, trying to find a key. Then there's stuff with, like, Tyler and Jackie, you know, because there's a key that can make you remember things because, um... Oh, and they, they they go back to what was that? I forgot her name that was in the the hospital. Erin. They they end up they end up finding her memory. They they bring, she she gets she's out of her like comatose or vegetative state, and she comes to stay with them. And like Duncan like doesn't remember, and he's like starting to get angry. So they want to bring his memories back you know, with stuff that he you know he what he knew about the keys. And it turned out that there was a key that was made that could help them remember magic. So, like you know, Tyler wants to use it. So you know, Jackie will remember things, and so he can. So there's, and then you know, there's more like with the romance between Nina and the t- teacher. So there's just like a, a lot of a lot of little things that are getting into in a way of like what the actual show is about. So I don't know. I mean, it's good, but i'm not like super excited for it and you know i still need to watch the rest of the the episodes i'm not like right now i'm not, like like oh I, you know as soon as i'm done recording i'm gonna watch them because there's like other things and I, I don't so i don't think i'm gonna talk about the rest i would love to be able to watch them and to just kind of comment by next week i will try but i don't know because i i kind of just want to you know i'm recording full disclosure you know i'm recording this the weekend because you know I, I, these go live sunday night so i try to record it you know I, it, it's it's saturday when i'm recording this because then you know i have other stuff to do in the weekend and at some point i need to you know edit this trim it and you know do stuff so i kind of like tonight i just want to like watch a movie just for fun we'll see and i i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna talk about the rest of these but I, i'd like to just a comment does it pick up? Does it get better? Or does it stay the same? I mean, I do like it. I just don't want to, like, have to feel forced to watch it all. So I don't know if that makes sense. But that's all I'm going to talk about for now, about Lock and Key. Okay, the first movie feature, which I, I remember the... I don't remember when... Actually, I don't remember when the trailer first came out. But I feel like it was last year. I feel like we've been waiting for this movie for a while. But because of COVID and everything, you know, I think it was supposed to... I think it was April... Of 2020, it was supposed to come out. And it was just, you know, de- everything was delayed. So I'm really, really curious about this movie. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is one of the producers. And, you know, David Goyer, David S. Goyer is, is a producer. So I, I just really intrigued with um, with this movie and, uh, you know, what, what this is about. And I like a good horror, dark, whatever you want to call it. you know I, I don't want to call it it's not really a horror movie, but it's like supernatural. It's, it's suspense, I don't know. And the the nice thing about it is it's not like a big super slick overproduced you know movie. you know it, it's a it, it ha- clearly has a smaller budget and you know it's a smaller it's more story driven and you know we're focusing on, on the characters and everything that's, that's going on. So I really like this the small time feel to the movie, and you know don't get me wrong, I I love the big productions and everything like that, and you know I I can't wait to see Eternals next week, but it was nice to have something just a little little different, like this a little more low key and just just dark and and just to really get you in the the mood. Uh, Unfortunately, I feel like this movie is not going to get a lot of attention, and you know I feel like no one's really talking about it, and I think it was like at a sixty. Something percent, sixty-two percent on Rotten Tomato. Maybe I forget if it's what it is. The the movie it stars Carrie Russell. I love Carrie Russell. I I think uh, she's amazing actress. Uh, You know she's good in like everything that I've seen her in. And um, Jesse Plemons is in it. Uh, Jesse Plemons. I first saw him in Friday Night Lights. And then, you know, he's been in other things. It seems like a lot of times he's, he's starting to play like the bad guy, but he's, he's not a bad guy. I was like worried he was a bad guy here because he's actually Kerry Russell's brother, and he's like the, the – they're, they're like in Oregon, like a sm, you know, small town in Oregon, and, you know, he's like the sheriff. So, you know, almost think like something's going to happen here. But uh, he's actually a, a good guy here. So what the, the story is, without giving too much away – so, Carrie Russell is a, a, a teacher. Oh, actually, it's, it starts off with this dude. He's, you know, his, his kid's out in the car and he's in like this old mine. I think they're, it's an abandoned mine, but I think they're going to like reopen it or do something like that. So, he has this little kid and it's, it's a younger kid, not not the one that you see in a trailer or in a poster or anything like that. You know, he has him waiting in the trucks and, you know, his buddy's inside and they're doing some work or something like that and what it is they have a meth lab in there so they they're using an the abandoned lab to make their meth and then they they hear something in there there's like some sort of creature and they start shooting and then some they get attacked and you know something happens and then like Aiden he like hears like noises or something like that so he gets out of the truck and he goes to investigate and something happens to him what ends up happening is they actually survive somehow and they they go back home but the dude he's like he's starting to get sick or he you know something's happening so he locks himself up in a room and he tells his older son lucas to to keep no matter what to keep him locked inside so then um some time goes by and you see him he's like collecting roadkill. I think like one way he kills a skunk or something like that. And, and he's taken them to like feed his, his dad, you know, there's no mom there. He's like very quiet in school. He gets, he's getting picked on and bullying by the other kids. I never understand the whole idea of bullying that it, it's just, it sucks so bad that some, that this is a just a common behavior that kids fall into that. They just prey on who they perceive as like a weak, you know, a weaker kid they think it's okay to make someone else's life horrible. It's like, you know, and they just don't realize the effects that it can be. But, uh, you know, you always see this in movies, and it's just like, it's just such a gross feeling. So, you know, they're they're picking on him, and, and you know, so he's a quiet kid. It doesn't really seem like he has you know, friends. And... At one point, you know, he started doing all these drawings, like these dark drawings and, and like the monsters and blood, and, and she sees him at one point. So she thinks that he's being abused and because we, we find out that she was abused or her father was abusive when she was a child. So she ended up like she left the house. She left Oregon. She went to California. Her dad committed suicide recently, so she came back. To, to be with her brother. It almost felt like something else happened, because at first I thought, it's like, did her husband die? Or did, I, I don't think she was married. So she came back, uh, I guess, to check on her brother, or stay with him, and you know, I guess maybe it was out of guilt for leaving him in the first place. But, you know, so she's there now. And, you know, so she's really concerned with the kid, but, you know, there's, like, not much that they can do. She ends up, like, going to the house and, you know, she hears some strange noises, so this kind of stirs things up. So without giving away the whole plot of the movie, there is, like, this weird creature supernatural element to it that, you know, is, is going to come out. You know, what is this antlers thing? And, you know, why is the movie called antlers? And it just – it it's – the movie, <laughs> at some point, it, it kind of gives you, like, a, a, a sinking feeling as you're just, just seeing how – because – with the weather, I mean, it's gorgeous scenery. You know, all the the trees and the mountains and you know rivers, and it's it's so amazing. You know, the fog and but it also it gives it a dreary feeling at the same time. And you're just seeing all this. You know, there's a lot of shots at night, and it's like, man, if it's nighttime and you hear something, it's like, can't we just wait till the morning to to look for whatever you think might be out there or, or something? But you know, so there's a lot of bad stuff that that happens at night. Uh, as far as like the the and stuff like that, you know, it it makes sense and like what's going on and, and where this is gonna go, it's it's weird and and you know things are gonna progress. There are gonna be killings, people are gonna die, and it's just it gets very dark and, and stuff. But it's it's a good movie, you know. I, I can't say it it blew me away, but I did re- I did enjoy watching the movie, you know, because like I said, it has a smaller feel, so it was just nice to just really dive into this movie and just kind of like put your blinders on and just like, just immerse yourself in this little world. And, you know, there's not like a whole plethora of characters on screen or whatever. So, you know, you're just seeing these little, you know, this group of people and like, are they going to survive and what's going to go on and how do you come out of this? Because it doesn't seem like there is like a a final solution. Like, can, can this thing be stopped and you know, what's going to happen? And it's just so that that's where that like that sinking feeling comes on. It's almost like like, man, I just want to like stop the movie and just like get out and pretend that everything is going to be happy and they're all, you know, happily ever after. But so it it's it's a nice movie. And again, just just something different. And, you know, it, it has a has a good ending. You know, I, I would say, you know, it, it's satisfying, you know, the way it wraps things up and does it, it it's not. Is it a happy ending? Not necessarily at all. But, you know, there there's closure and, and stuff, and then, you know, it, it doesn't leave you hanging, but it does kind of, hmm, you know, it makes you wonder. So I I, I did enjoy it. I th- I think they did a good job. Um, but like I said, it's, it's you know, would it be like my top five favorite movies of the year? I don't even know what my top five. I mean, I, I should do that. Maybe at the end of the year, I should. I should do a recap thing. I should start thinking about it now because I always want to do it every year, but then it's always like it's too late. So maybe I should start thinking about stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's a good movie. It's not phenomenal, but I did enjoy it. Uh, Carrie Russell again, she's she's awesome. She's amazing, and Jesse Plemons is is really good. And you know, so you you wanna hope that they survive, and will they? I'm not gonna say, but so it, it was it was a fun movie to watch. <laughs> I don't know if I would say fun, but you know, it's it's very dark. It's very dreary. It's Not depressing, but it's it's exactly what it should be. You know, you got this dark mystery and like what's going on and how can you possibly come out of this? So I thought they did a good job with it, and um, it's it's worth checking out. Do you need to rush out to the theater and see it? That's up to you. You know, like I said, if you feel safe, then yeah, it's 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 cool to see. But you don't need. It's not a movie that you need to see. Seeing it on a big screen is cool. It's not crucial. But it, I think the theater environment when just, like, some of the sounds in it are some moments that, like, really pull you into it. So I, I think it, it was, it's, it's worth the movie theater experience. It's not absolutely crucial. So that is Antlers. I enjoyed it. I think it's worth checking out. It may not be the best movie, but it is really good. I, I did enjoy it. Okay, then the other movie feature, which I almost didn't see... I was, I was going to wait until, like I, I said, uh, not next week. Cause next week will be Eternals. But then the following week, there, I don't think there is anything in the theaters. But I was like, I can't do it two weeks. And, you know, it's Edgar Wright, and I, I've been waiting to see this. You know, Anya Taylor-Joy, she's, you know, she, she was great in uh, Queen's Gambit and, and New Mutants and, and Split and Glass I ended up going to see two movies this week, and I saw this, and and so this was cool. Uh, you know, Matt Smith is in this, also um, Thomasine McKenzie, who was in Jojo Rabbit. She's in this. Terrence Stamp is, is in it. So it's a it's a very weird movie, and not not that maybe weird is not not a good word. Uh, it's it's listed as a psychological horror film, which I didn't realize it was like that. You know, if you watched the, the first trailer. You know, it, you get this weird, it, it's, it, you don't really know what's going on. You see Thomason, um, you know, you see this girl. She's, uh, like, she wants to be a, a clothes designer. And then she somehow is having these dreams about this life in the 60s where she's Anya Taylor-Joy. You can see she's getting caught up in this world, you know, dancing, romance, possibly, whatever. But then at the end of the trailer, like, like a hand reaching through the ground and you know knives and like wait what's going on and it's just it's like this weird where it shifts into like this horror movie so it's very weird because it, it's not quite what you'd expect especially with like the, the music because you know it has a lot of 60s music um, and which is you know music is a big part of this just like music was a part of Baby Driver I mean, maybe not quite to the same extent but you know I, I feel it does have a important part of it i did enjoy it there are some parts that are are a little uncomfortable uh which i I guess i can touch on in a bit but i so just because of that it's like a sinking feeling but it does kind of catch you off guard where you know once you look at it and you think you know you think you know all the pieces where how they're all gonna land but then it's like no there's like other stuff and it just kind of kind of flip things oh not necessarily on its side but it kind of shakes things up quite a bit so um thomason mckenzie she plays eloise turner uh, ellie and she you know she has this like big fascination with the 60s based on her mom because her mom was like i think also a designer and she, you know, she's living with her, her grandmother her mom um had some mental issues which makes you wonder does that mean she has mental issues that she thinks she's, you know, living this other life or that, you know, stuff is, is happening? Um, she gets accepted into this, uh, like, college place, you know, in London, fashion college in London. So, you know, she's going to move up, you know, up there. And, you know, she goes there. Uh, her, like, her, her roommate is, is, like, a horrible person. You know, she's just drinking and partying all the time or stuff like that. And she's just, like, mean to Ellie. Because you know Ellie, she's very um, not not necessarily a nerd, but you know she's she's very shy and inexperienced with things. And uh, but it's it's weird because like she, Ellie's, like Ellie sees her mom in a mirror, so it's like, is there something supernatural? Does she thinks she would see her because then she ends up um, getting out of the dorm place where she's staying because this other woman is just so horrible. This her, her roommate. And she rents this room at, the, at this lady's house because you know she's she could kind of afford it, and you know there's like part of like the scholarship or something maybe. But then what happens is when she sleeps at night, you know she she's like journeyed into the '60s, and she goes into the life of this this girl Sandy. So it was Anya Taylor Joy, and then you know she Anya Taylor, you know Sandy wants to be a singer or dancer. And you know she meets Matt Smith's character, who says you know, he's going to be her manager, and he's going to get her job, and stuff like that. Things start getting dark, where you know she starts kind of getting forced into more of like a life of prostitution than you know a performer. So that's where things get kind of uncomfortable, you know, seeing all this. And Ellie, as she's while she's in her body and, you know, you see her reflections, you know, she's not always moving along. And I feel like I'm, I'm giving too much away now. But a lot of times she's kind of like witnessing this stuff where you'll see her reflection, but then she's like kind of watching too. So she starts getting concerned for, for Sandy, like wanting, you know, it's like at some point she's like, no, don't do that, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it just starts getting like that. And then you just have to wonder, it's like, well, is Ellie – is this really happening? Is she really seeing this? Cause then she starts seeing other things when she's not sleeping. So it's like, is it really in her head or is she just what's going on and, and stuff like that. And if you see it in a trailer, uh, you know, Terrence stamp, you know, he, what is the deal with him and, uh, and other, and so forth. You know, I, like I said, I, I don't want to get give, give too, too much. Cause um, he kind of like recognizes her at some point, but then it's like, could this be you know if you watch a trailer you might have your suspicions like what's what this means and and so forth or as you start watching it so it's a it it gets like i said it gets kind of dark where when you first watch the movie it seems like this could be like kind of uplifting movie until it gets to the end and then you see that that things are going to turn go go south like very quickly and, and and so forth and then then it's it's kind of like that suspense thing where you're just like, oh man, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, how's she going to get out of this? You know, so it's it's like you get like sucked in, and you're 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 there wondering, is there any way to get out of this and everything? So I I liked it. Um, the ending was was good. It was fine, but yeah, it 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 just it really veers off and it's it's kind of interesting and and trying to think about that i I guess it's i mean i I think I'm satisfied with the way that went, and more so i you know i'm I'm not really satisfied with how it went, but I'm satisfied that it kind of caught me off guard that it was Interesting enough and you know, it kept keeps you on your toes because you know you don't want to see a movie that's like super predictable where you know everything is gonna happen. So the fact that it goes and then you're like, whoa, and because then as yes, you're watching this now, you're like, okay, I, I thought I knew what was gonna happen, but I really don't. So I think that makes things, you know, even more interesting. That the fact that you know it's just it's a whole other thing and there's just like so much other stuff going on. So I, I think overall it was very cool to see, and um, even like some of the parts where Anya Taylor Joy and and Thomason, uh, is that how you say it? I don't know. It's kind of interesting. The way she talks sometimes is kind of weird. You know, she's got this very quiet voice and just you know, like almost like a different accent. It's like sometimes it's it's kind of weird to hear. Uh, you know, she was great. I don't know if I mentioned you know she, when she was in Jojo Rabbit. I mean, she's such a great character in there. That that movie, I love that movie. So this is it's it's this movie's worth watching, but again, it it's. It get, does get dark, so just you know, keep that in mind with you know who you might watch this with, where you know it. Not that it's, it's an uncomfortable movie, but it might get a little just just kind of dark, and it's just like uh, you know, kind of kind of icky in a way where you just see like stuff that yeah, it's not like overly. There, I mean, there's no like gratuitous stuff or anything like that, but it's just it's heavily implied, and yeah. So I'll, that's all I'll say about that. So. Um, it is good. I did like this. Um, I I love the soundtrack, and um, it's definitely worth worth seeing. So I I am glad I I saw this. You know I I went to like a, a four twenty showing for for some reason it was four twenty on on a Friday after after work. I'm I'm glad I saw it now, and I, I I'm glad I saw. it. I'm not that I don't think I would have heard any spoilers or anything about it, but it, it was it was nice to to see it before anything that would be revealed and that would be my advice to you to try to you know before you read any don't look up plots don't look up spoilers you know just if if you are interested you should try to see it as soon as you can but like I keep saying if you know if one if you don't have a theater by you or a theater that's showing it or if you just don't feel safe just try to be careful try to see it as soon as you can but I would like this movie to be successful as well because you know I, I think a lot of production went into it and, you know, just, uh, the, the scenery, the costume designs were amazing and just the music and everything was just, just really, really good production. So I, I really thought this was good. And Matt Smith is, it's just so weird when he, you know, cause he's, he's done other things, you know, he's not just Dr. Who, but you know, we're just so used to him as a doctor and then this is just such a departure from a doctor and it's just, this just you so I, I really enjoyed this, um, and that I think you should see it. And I also think that this is going to be the end of the episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to The Secret Podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm currently talking about All-Star, Batman and Robin, Frank Miller and Jim Lee. I'm not sure how many, how much longer I'm going to do this. I may shift gears because it's it's uh, it's something. But you can hear about that. Uh, if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. It's ko-fi.com. Slash G Man from heck. Alright, so next week the movie feature is going to be Eternals. Um, I haven't read any reviews. I know some reviews are out there. And um, I did know I did see one review where I, this is a clumsiest movie or it's one of Marvel's worst movies. But then I think other people are like enjoying it. So I really don't know. And I, I, I don't want to read, you know, I don't I don't need to read any reviews about it. I'm gonna go see the movie and I wanna, you know, I want to inform my own opinion. So it's interesting how it seems like there's, there's a bit of a mix. And there's also the fact that, that that secret casting revelation that was announced, which that makes me think that they must want and hope to do in Eternals 2 because where would this character, you know, this character would should appear somewhere else. You know, it's not just for, you know, whatever appearances in this movie. So it's just really weird. Like, I don't know what what that means and what's, what's going to happen. Um, as far as other things so we know that star girl has this last episode why the last man has this last episode so that could be good for me i mean i'm sure other things are gonna start up flash is gonna be starting up um flash starts up on the 16th so that's a couple weeks dexter it starts up on the 7th so that probably won't be in the next podcast it would be on the next next one because there's no way i'll be able to watch it record it and then get this out on Sunday night because it's not going to be on Sundays. So um, I don't know if I'll talk, maybe I'll talk about that. I don't know if there's an audience for this because if you haven't seen the first season of Dexter, would it make sense to hear about the second or what, not second season. What is this like the eighth season, ninth season? I don't even know what you'd call this revival. So we'll see. And maybe something else is popping up. I'm not really sure, but that's what we have. Oh, you know what I realized I totally just realized that Army of Thieves came out. Maybe I'll talk about that next week. I'm not super looking forward to that, but maybe I'll I'll try checking that out. We'll see about that. So that is going to be this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. If you are supporting on Patreon, again, I deeply appreciate it. Every every little bit helps. Thank you um, for being awesome. And I hope you are doing well. And I hope you're taking care of yourself. hope you're taking care of others. And I hope you remember to be good to each other.